Well, hello, people of Defender House, and welcome back to another one of Minor Jemison's top 10 discussions for a gaming year. Uh, it's a bit of a special one. It's a bit of a special one because this is our 10th time doing this. We have been doing these chats every year for 10 years straight. 2013 to 2022. It's slightly weird because like 2013 to 2022 is not 10 years, you know? Like, yes, it is. is, is well, yeah, anyways. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> we've posted years. we've posted ten of this will be the tenth one of these we've done, which is uh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. It is a it is a lot. Yeah. I mean we weren't even like really making videos for the channel in twenty thirteen. No. The first video we recorded uh looks like around January twenty second, twenty fourteen. Right. Ooh. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what I was looking at. I was looking at the 2014. I'm like, 2014 to 2023, that's not 10 years, but... Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of these videos. And they've just gotten, uh, weirdly, if they've gotten longer every year. Mm, yeah, we need to shut the fuck up, dude. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I allowed to say that in the beginning of a video anymore? I'm not sure. Uh, oh, shit. Demonetized. demonetized. Oh, I can you say demonetized now as well? I Pro don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Censor all of that. But yeah, what we usually do in these chats, because, uh, you know, there's always new people coming to the channel, so some people probably have never listened to these or seen these before, even though we've been doing it for 10 years straight. Gonna say 10 years, even if it's like 9.1 years. Um, we have a list each. The possibility of 20 games in total. We do not know each other's lists. We obviously have inklings and suspicions. We do talk about uh, the big releases across the year, so we kind of know what we liked. We also do a podcast with our friend Ben, so, you know, we always talk about games along the year. Uh, but, you know, there's always some surprises, and the ordering is also important when it comes down to really realizing how much someone liked a game, because, you know, you can do a podcast saying, I liked this game, yeah. and until they're organized, you don't really know how a game sat with someone overall. So that part is always the most interesting. Uh, we go backwards and forwards, 10, uh, like my 10, Jameson's 10, your 9, my 9, until we get to number 1. Uh, I think that's it. And we, we also like to kind of reflect and be retrospective of on the year uh, as a whole before yeah. we dive into our list as well and talk about what we thought of 2022 as a gaming year. Huh. Uh... Pretty stinky, man. Pretty yeah. stinky, I will I, say. I will preface this whole conversation by saying I did not enjoy 2022 in most any way, basically. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That's not true. Second half of the year was better, but I was ready to move on from 2022 by about, let's say, March. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, and that was reflected also in the way I felt about the games. Maybe they're related. Yeah. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> like how I feel for is, <laughs> yeah. if, uh, you know, anyways. Um, but yeah, the games, I was, uh, I keep a, a list of uh, every game I play, new release, you know, and, um, this year had the most number of games I've played. Since I started, since we started doing this, since 2014, I had uh, 53 mm. games played. Normally, it's about 40. Um, Is that in total or for the new year, like new games from 2022? There's like a couple 
there's like five or six, you know, 2021 games on that list. Huh. But right. um, it's pretty good going, yeah. Yeah, it's still the most. Even without those, it's still like 45. And I, this was the hardest I've struggled to make a list, as in to come up with just 10 games. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the problem was the pace was weird. The pace was weird. And for me, for my taste, yeah, a lot of things... Um, I, I would say I enjoyed the year in gaming and there's a lot of games which I had fun with. Um, but you know, you're always looking for a game which really, really, really clicks with you is your type of game is like a euphoric moment. And those were very, very few and far between. A lot of just like, yeah, that was all right. Mm -hmm. Or that was a fun game. Um, but you know, as gaming fans, we're all kind of addicts chasing that high, that game that really clicks with you. An Outer Wilds, a Red Dead Redemption 2, and yeah, this year, uh, it's all personal taste. Maybe some of you guys had a moment like that. I know Elden Ring was a big thing for some people. Yeah. A lot of people went crazy for Ragnarok. Uh, but overall, not to spoil too much, not a huge amount of like Joe games, I would say. Yeah, and I feel like there were even less Jameson games. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I certainly really enjoy the big AAA games a lot, of course, mm -hmm. and those were a little. I mean, there were like there were like three this entire three, year, which yeah. is weird. Um, and they were they were all solid. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah, um, yeah, the the like importance of the balance from AAA to medium to indie is uh, something that sort of keeps the pace up nicely, you know. And yes. When there's none, when there are like no small games that did much for me, uh, that's definitely I a don't problem know. when there's not much AAA stuff. Yeah, and it's sort of like you can't just eat little morsel games all year round without the big meals, you know. And yeah, and not having the big meals makes it sort of harder for me to keep going with the small stuff. And I eventually just like got burnt out on the small games. There are a few fairly substantial like small to medium tier games that I just didn't play yet that won't be on my list because I just wasn't in the mood, um, which yeah. is unfortunate. I sort of, you know, I'm annoyed at that, but also I'm not going to force myself to play something if I'm not enjoying it because especially when it seems like something I would probably like. Um, I also think 2022 is like the year that we like, it, even though we, I think we've said this for like, I've said this at least for the last two best of lists. This really felt like we are feeling the COVID post covid effects a lot cuz like almost yeah, everything it's, that it's came out relevant. everything that came out this year was like the majority of its development time would have been you know peak covid era like 2020 2021 yeah. um and i think that that is you know i i keep that in my mind and being like yeah okay i i sympathize uh we're still yeah. in the cross gen period Games are still shipping probably earlier than they should have because yeah. they've been in development for so long. And it's like, we need to put this out the door. Otherwise, we're going to like run out of money and things like yeah, that. Yeah, there so. were a few games which felt like they fell apart a little bit near the end. Yeah. Like you could almost see the pandemic happening live throughout the course of the development. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope that um, this 2023, we just sort of start to like shake that off a little bit, you know? I hope so, too. And also throw the PlayStation 4 in the garbage. Like, I'm done. I don't want to see any more cross-gen games, even though we've got, like, another six or eight months of those. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so be it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that about covers it, right? Little every, bit pretty pessimism. much every single game on my list I have major caveats with uh, for. Like, I, I... yeah. I would say the same for nine of them. <laughs> 
I would say it for, yeah, literally every single game on my list, yeah. Okay. Which is a first, which is interesting. Well, number one is a perfect game, but apart a perfect that. game. That's good. I'm glad some, someone got a perfect game this year, so. Okay. But yeah. Um, Who's starting, by the way, this year? Uh, I get to, uh, wait, wait. Uh, it looks like I start. You did your number 10 first last year, so. All right. I start with my number 10. All right. Um, yeah, so like nine and 10. Oh boy. Yes, I know. I know. I, ooh. I think I switched my 10 like six times. I had nine games. The 10th slot was really just like, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, and in past, I like to use my t- number 10 slot for some oddities. Uh, we both have our own rule sets for our lists. Mine is, I don't care, I'll put any game on my list that I played mm-hmm. in 2022. Yours is very strict. Um, so, so in yeah. keeping with that, uh, I wanted to shout out a highly memorable non-2022 release that we all spent some time with, and that was Neptune's Pride. Oh, damn, okay. Because we spent two weeks of our lives suffering with that hell game. And, yeah, good luck uh, explaining that to people who don't know what that is. Oh, I'm not. It's It's... It's an, uh, what's it, a triple X, a four X game, expand, exterminate, exp- whatever. It's sort of like one of those. It's like a s- sort of civilization game, a lightweight civ strategy-ish thing. Yeah. That you play in a browser and each turn only happens once every hour and it's in space, and you have to conquer planets, and most of it is you sending messages to the other people in the game lobby to, like, get... to work with them, to get help from them, to build your stuff in exchange for you help them. Ah, yeah... The gameplay won't look very interesting either. Um, yeah, it looks just like data to begin. Yeah. It is... I don't know. I was going to say it is like a light sort of... It's not like the most video gamey game, but it is. Like, there is a fair amount of, you know, strategy and all these things. It's more board gamey, really. It is more of a board game. You're right. It is more of a board game played through a browser. Um, yeah. The main highlight was the the just the delightful diplomacy side of it. Like, the gameplay, the strategy, good. It's fine. It's solid. There's a lot of depth to it. Um, It's complicated to learn at first, especially when other people in the lobby uh, know what they're doing or, you know, at least know what to click on, whereas starting from scratch is like, oh, so the first, like, five days were a complete nightmare. Um, I guess I should... Did I say every... One turn an hour and we played for two weeks... Yeah, two weeks and, straight. And, you know, when you're in bed, you could be getting attacked by people because we were playing with our friend group uh, that spanned mm-hmm. the world across, like, eight different time zones. I set my alarm for 4 a.m. multiple times during that game. Yeah, by about day 10, I was just, like, waking up at 3 in the morning <laughs> yeah. and checking things and then going back to bed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's basically those are the reasons why it's on the list, because it was disruptive and unpleasant in a way that a game hasn't been ever before yeah. in a in a cool way and uh and the diplomacy side of things where you can just send messages to other players but you're encouraged to sort of do it in a way that 
maintain some anonymity and some character. Yeah, and, I mean, it's uh, up to we, you how you want to play it, but that's how we did it. Exactly. More fun that way, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, everyone in our group was very committed to the role-playing, and um, it was just a very fun two-week diplomacy, just nightmare fest. Uh, yeah. I, I very much enjoyed tricking people into helping me help you, who yeah. you were, you had very much become the villain within about an hour of the <laughs> yeah, game starting. Everyone hated me. Yeah. And uh, it was very fun to just be like, ah, I'm, and I was in the worst position on the board. I spawned right in the middle and was basically fucked from the get-go, and so I basically just decided to sow chaos as much as possible, and it was very fun doing that. It was yeah. very fun earning people's trust only to uh, be aiding their enemies without their knowledge. And, um, yeah, it's hard to talk about because it was it, it's it's like it takes elements of like mafia werewolf among us and expands it into two weeks which heightens and increases the level of emotional commitment you have towards the game and the stakes yeah, yeah. that's like the shorthand way of putting it because like you play a game of among us you get killed you're like oh lol uh, but if someone does that to you after 10 days of work <laughs> then it's much more emotionally distraughting yeah, yeah. So it was, um, of the games of this that I played this year, this came out in, like, 2013. It's, like, one guy, and it's, you know, it's just in a web browser, basically. I think there's a... I think it all it is all just in a web browser, yeah. Even yeah. on mobile. And, um, it was definitely one of the most memorable game experiences of, game experiences of the year. Uh, yeah. So I figured, you know, what the hell? Put it on the sure. list. A game from 2013 from the first year we did a best of can appear 10 years later. Mm -hmm. See, it was all calculated. So there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that was a good game. I look forward to our 2023 game. I at don't. Some point. Yeah, you do. <laughs> no, I'm dreading it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, I'm going to like fly to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm in the ideal split time zone. <laughs> so I don't have to like be up at four in the morning. <laughs> or just like seppuku yourself and just send all your ships <sighs> to someone just to sow chaos it's up to you yeah play it yeah, how it was you a want good time it was fun it was. it was fun doing a bunch of nonsense in the discord as well i, yeah. I enjoyed that neptune's yeah. pride is a good game if people it, like yeah. board games and portraying their friends they should uh look into it it's good stuff definitely definitely and if you like ruining friendships like if you have someone that you just really don't know how to break it to them that you don't like them anymore just yeah. do it in neptune's pride and then that friendship should probably end you know pretty disastrously you'll so. probably lose at least one or two friends yeah that game. yeah i'm sort of disappointed not, that didn't happen for us we were all very civilized in our ferocity <laughs> yeah a yeah. bit awkward when i went to glastonbury and i had to bump into ed who i betrayed <laughs> the whole game hey man it does help that i have an air gap of about five thousand yeah. kilometers from the other p players so that's always good yeah, yeah. but you know yeah, good spirits in that group yes yeah so there you go all right my number 10 uh, I think this is the game which might have a chance of going up the list mm. or maybe off the list because <laughs> uh, I have not beaten this game. Okay. Uh, actually, I should say we have not beaten this game because my uh -oh. number 10 is Grounded. Ah, okay. Speaking it's of hellish up to my number nightmares. 10. Yeah, Grounded is a little <laughs> bit of a bully at times. Oh, um, but I, I am really enjoying our time in it. Uh, for any of you Grounded fans out there, I think me and Jameson are like 20 hours in. 
We've probably like 30 more to go. We are just <laughs> encroaching on the black ant nest. Um, and we, we haven't even done the pond yet. And there's a whole other half of the garden we haven't got to. But that game has like one of my favorite settings, maybe of the entire year. I really do love the gimmick of the honey I shrunk the kid and being a weedy little kid in this little insect, insect world. And every time we log on, it just kind of works for me every single time, and I find it fun to just be back there. It has been very mean, but I am a little bit sadistic at times. I quite like when a game beats me to the ground, and the only way to break through is to be really stubborn and determined. I'm a bit of a sicko, and I kind of thrive off of that stuff. And Grounded might be one of the most punishing versions of whatever you want to call that, that kind of old Souls-like element uh, that I've played for a long time. The first 10 hours of that game are really, really cruel and difficult. Uh, but we have basically just gone over what I'll call the hill, where our power curve is just getting to the point where we're feeling a little bit more comfortable and it's very, very satisfying to feel a little bit more adept and strong in that game. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. It seems crazy content rich. Uh, it's on Game Pass and it seems like a 50-hour co-op survival game. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the uh, survival genre. Uh, so a lot of it is working for me and maybe some of the stuff which annoys other people, like food meters, water meters, and all that stuff, and crafting recipes. Maybe not bothering me as much as it would other people. Uh, but yeah, I'm having a really good time with it. And also... I have to give it props because uh, I played a lot of horror games this year and <laughs> none of them were as scary as Grounded. Yeah, I can't believe how horrifying this game is at times. Yeah, nothing scared me more this year than your scream of terror at encountering the Black Widow or whatever it was, the yeah. wolf spider. <laughs> there is nothing more horrifying than turning around and the wolf spider is in your face. Oh my god. It is like an evolutionary terror that pierces yeah. into you. As you become prey to one of those behemoths. And we have no idea what is waiting for us. I'm sure there's many more horrors to go. And Praying many more things to discover. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not. Um, yeah. Praying Mantis yeah. is going to be interesting. Oh, but yeah, no. we are like probably not even halfway. So it's, on, mm -hmm. it's my number 10. It might uh, increase up the list over time. Or it might be really obnoxious and annoying and fall off the list. And there are many honorable mentions waiting to replace it. So mm. we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, we usually, before we even start these lists, we look at our last list from the previous year and see if we would like retcon any of the choices and change them. Has anything changed over time? And I think we skipped that this year because we yeah. felt that our list from 2021 were fine and steady and staying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. In 2023, I might come and say that Grounded pissed me off and it fell down. Or maybe it will end on a high and uh, trickle up the list a little bit. Uh, I also really like that Grounded is a handcrafted survival map. A lot of survival games like Valheim and Raft have very randomly generated, procedurally done maps. Uh, I understand why they do that. It gives like a fresh experience for replayability. But there's something nice about playing Grounded and really learning the ins and outs of different areas. Each area has like a little story for us about how we struggled and died. We have areas we like, areas we don't like, and areas we're too scared to go. Uh, there's been just a lot of good stories that have come out of that game. And over time, the uh, user-friendliness has got better and better with updates. So it's becoming less like obtuse and frustrating and clumsy to play. But yeah, 
grounded. It's been a good time. Been scary, frustrating, and fun. Yeah, I think we'll probably save like a, a full grounded conversation maybe for when we podcast, do like a podcast next week or something because right. we haven't actually talked about it properly. No, no, we haven't. Um, and we can't get into it now because it'll go for like half an hour. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, grounded is a good time sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's getting I, consistently funner, more yes, fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am liking Grounded quite a bit and I'm glad uh, it got mentioned and I look forward to playing more. Yeah. And I look forward to looking back on the whole journey when it's completed and seeing yeah. where we feel. Because those first two or three streams were a bad time. Yeah, I'm proud of you for sticking time. it out. You're doing oh great. Oh my god. Because I know it's not your genre. And this no, is a, it's, yeah. a survival-ass survival game. And I wasn't really expecting it to be that survival-y. It's mainly just the like rapidly draining hunger and food bars that drive me nuts. But, yeah. uh, you know, everything else is like, you can manage it a bit better. So anyways, it yeah. It does it'll have be... that like usual survival genre clunkiness. Yeah. It's not the worst offender of the genre, but they all kind of have that feel. Like fighting in Raft and Valheim. It's just like a weird trait of the genre i'd say yeah like you said one, once when there is a one day like a super triple a survival game where like the combat isn't trash <laughs> that'll yeah. be exciting i mean grounded combat isn't complete trash but it's, it's you know not it's trash it's just rough. no it's clunky it's just, heavy yeah it's clunky and heavy yeah so but it's a it's a good time and uh we're gonna be playing more yeah. in a couple hours and i am just, looking I just, forward yeah. to it i love that map i love that yes. setting and I just like get kind of childish whenever we find a new area because it's literally like, oh, what's gonna be here? But really yeah, big. But it's That's big. the whole gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good. It's a good gimmick. Yeah. It is a good gimmick. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good gimmicks and games from 22 and games that I haven't finished but I like, mm. Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Ah, I don't think I've heard anyone talk about this. I'm the only human on planet Earth that has actually played this game, it turns it out. Feels like it feels like it, yeah. Um, this is the first game. So one of the reasons it's on the list is because I wanted to give Mario and Rabbit some love because uh, we never... It, I really liked the first game despite its issues. And over time, five years since the first game came out, mm, yeah. um, it has climbed up more on uh, in my standings basically from 2017 the second game i don't think any game came like a major you know this is a mar the mario is the first word in the title um it's from ubisoft and nintendo like i don't think i've ever seen a game vanish off the face of the earth faster than this <laughs> um yeah. and that first game definitely made a splash when it came out because it was so the gimmick is so bizarre um this is a great game. Just like the first game was a great game, um, I wanted to make sure it got some proper love. The main problem from the first game was the uh, interstitial non-combat stuff. Was yeah. like Wandering the world was super basic and boring. Uh, and they've really fleshed that stuff out nicely here. It's still... The whole game is still like... It's still... Mario is the first word in the title. So it's still pretty simple, you know. Uh, pretty easygoing, which is not a bad thing. But they uh, they've basically turned the non-combat stuff into like small open worlds that you wander around and do quests in and solve puzzles and explore, uh, and that stuff has all been pretty solid. Like it's a very good change um, from the first game's just very very boring uh, stuff. The combat 
is good. It's still fun. I still like a turn-based strategy game every couple of years. I wish it was harder. Um, I'm mm. playing on the hardest difficulty, and it's still just super easy, um, which is sort of too bad because turn-based strategy is at its most fun when it's kicking your ass and you really have to like utilize everything and think about every move a lot and cross your fingers for good luck with the dice rolls. Um, so there's not sort of missing a little bit of that, but they've fleshed out the like versatility, the number of characters you can choose from, uh, how to customize them all, all that stuff. Like it's basically been improved in every single way from the first game. And that first game was already a very good starting point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a fucking long video game. I'm every video game's a long video game now. Yeah, it's not bothering me, but like I'm 15 hours in and I'm 46% of the way through. Jeez, yeah, it's long. Which is crazy. I thought it would be uh, like 15 hours or so. Um, so I, I, yeah, I thought I would be way further in by 15 hours, but I'm apparently not even at halfway point. So I can't reserve total judgment on the whole package, but um, it's just such a good, goofy gimmick. And. It makes me chuckle uh, very often, and there's just so many, like, my, the main person that's controlling my party when running around is um, Mar Rabid Mario, and the Rabbids are just so stupid, and <laughs> it's such a basic gimmick, but it makes me, it just makes me laugh every time. Like, he does this terrible, terrible Italian accent voice. Is it Chris Pratt? No, it's oh my god! If if Mario Rabbit was the voice of Mario in the new one, there would be like riots because of how offensive it is. <laughs> he's like he's like when he kills someone, he's like thank you, mama. You know, like when he opens a treasure chest, he's like this is the best day of my life. Uh, and you're just like, can they say this? Like, can they be so crass with their bad Italian accents? Uh, and that's just sort of the spirit of the Rabbids. Uh, they're like horrible and obnoxious in a funny yeah. way. Uh, Rabbit Peach, every time she heals, she goes, hashtag healing vibes. She says that out loud. Oh, yeah, she's the mobile phone. She's like the influencer And she's texting, and it's... Yeah. It's, and then there's, like, the Mario characters, which are just so stoic and just like, what the fuck are these Rabbids? Um, and it's funny every time they do that joke. Um, it is yeah. a very weird thing to exist. It is so bizarre. A Mario-Rabbit hybrid, that alone is weird. And then it's a turn-based... Yeah. strategy XCOM like uh just strange. baffling it's just so bizarre but it like it you can just like the first game you can tell they care about it a lot and they're very passionate about it and mm -hmm. uh that's cool it's the f only good Ubisoft game in years uh wow shock I mean <laughs> shocker yeah I should shocker. I should after this dig through and see when the last time a Ubisoft game appeared on either of our Ooh. lists because I bet it's been six years. Like um, a spin-off, like a indie hard thing? To, I don't know. Yeah, you're, maybe. They do publish like some weird stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. Good game. It's fun. It's a little basic, but uh, yeah. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's a nice morning game. So You should, uh, you should pick up Kirby. I've only played it for like three hours, but it's pretty cool. I, I did. Yeah, I, uh, I played like 90 minutes of that game in the, over the summer uh, on my other Switch. And uh, it gets better by the second world. The first world, like the most Nintendo for babies type thing ever. And it gets a little bit more interesting the further in it goes. Mm, okay, good. Yeah, I think I got through that whole world and maybe started on the second one. And then, yeah, it's it is it was very simple, but um, it was a good it was a good time. So yeah, that's sort of like this. You know, it's, there's more depth to this, but it's that, you know, 
good old Nintendo, they, they have that certain, even though this isn't a Nintendo game, but you know what I mean. It has that certain chill, friendly, easygoing nature, which is it's nice to have every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of chilled gimmicks, mm-hmm. my number nine is Power Washing Simulator. Hell yeah. I'm not joking. I loved this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 100% expecting it on your list. Yeah. So, like everyone, when this game came out, I think we all assumed it would be part of the simulator made for YouTuber and Twitch streamers gimmick. Yeah. Uh, they're shit games, but they're funny. Ha ha ha. Give me 10 bucks, make a YouTube video, and then move on forever. Um, and I thought that was going to be this game. And I know there's been other stuff that comes under the maintenance cleanup genre visceral cleanup detail house flipper lawn mowing simulator i tried visceral cleanup detail again i played it for two hours i think with ben years ago i think you played that with it was me it was me it was like a decade ago yeah yeah maybe i played i think i played with ben as well maybe both yeah that was uh, ages ago yeah uh, I played House Flipper for like three hours as well, and mm. you know, I, I, they're gimmicky and kind of satisfying, but I don't know. It just like there's not much substance there. They just don't get it right. And Power Washing Simulator was on Game Pass, and I installed it for the exact same reason to play for three hours and then leave forever. Because why would I play 35 hours of a power washing game? And I don't know if I can really explain why. Uh, but there's something just really, really, weirdly perfect about this little package. Uh, you can't really experience the satisfaction of this game until you get your hands on it and give it a go. There's a lot of very small factors that make this game something a little special. Uh, it's like small quality of life things. The gentle and satisfying little ding when you clean off a section of a map perfectly. The ability to see any dirt you've missed with a little, almost infrared dirt vision. A little PDA which gives you hints hint towards any little things you've missed. It makes sure that you're always flowing nicely in your power washing journey. You're never like scouting around for one speck of mud. You're always making nice little progression. But it's more than that. This game keeps going and going and going. And it has so much content and it goes in such a bizarre direction. That I can't help but just respect how hard they went for this weird gimmick. Mm. I don't want to spoil too much. I don't know if you could spoil Power Washing Simulator. (laughs) But near the end of the game, you are basically moving towards ancient alien technology. Hell yes. It goes in a very bizarre direction in a way which it feels like a parody but at the same time, it's a really highly functioning, satisfying, therapeutic game. <laughs> uh, I played the whole thing on the Game Pass version, and it has a uh, drop-in and drop-out co-op. So I was playing it on my stream as a chill thing, and people who are watching the stream would just pop in, do some cleaning, maybe hop out let someone else in. And it was just so easygoing and wonderful. And when it ended and I finished every level, I was sad. Because <laughs> it was just always there for when I was tired. When I didn't have the brain function to play anything else, Mm. Power Washing Simulator was there. And I'm in the uh, Discord group, watching them all brainstorm the next level. And whenever more content comes out to this game, I will enjoy putting on some Studio Ghibli music and playing one and a half hours cleaning some random Power Washing Simulator level. 
if you think this is a joke, you should go play this on Game Pass because it's kind of brilliant. And yeah, it doesn't matter like how much brain power you have. Preferably if you have none, uh, pick <laughs> yeah. up this game. E.g. a hangover or a hard day. Uh, this game is surprisingly really fun. And by the end of it, you kind of come to understand like peripherals and functionalities of an <laughs> actual power washing device. Like I knew which nozzle to use when. I knew the different types of soaps. It's, it's really kind of bizarre and great. And yeah, I love this game all the way through. Yeah, surprisingly, I, I played a couple hours of it and and also really enjoyed it. I don't yeah. like. I sort of have that like mindless chill game with Destiny. Uh, yeah, but so like it, but it, those types of experiences are important to have. Yeah, um, and and I know they're sort of hard to come by for someone like you at times. Mm-hmm. And, True. Um, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast, I think. Yeah, and and so I didn't stick with it, but I I agree, it was excellent, and it's. The cool thing about it is that it is a joke game, but they yeah. execute it with a 100% commitment. Like, they take exactly. it very seriously, and that's yeah. the best type of thing, because there are so many bad simulator joke games, but this is, like, very legit. And it's satisfying. Like, power washing, everyone, like, there are whole swaths of YouTube channels that are just, like, cleaning things, you know, and, and yeah. power washing them and scrubbing them, and it's an inherently satisfying thing to do. To clean shit. It just feels like something that would have been made three years ago yeah. by one guy as a joke. And out of all the like satisfying genres, again, like visceral cleanup and lawnmower simulator, it's kind of crazy that this idea didn't get found right. and ruined by someone else. It just sat there untouched until, like you said, a small group of people came along and took it way too seriously in a way which worked really well. Yeah. Oh, and also it has that little um, montage at the end of every mm. level showing like the fast forwarded cleanup operation you've done. It's like this little carrot on a stick reward that you're building towards and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what this little video is going to look like at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Definitely. It is good stuff. I'm glad it's on here because it, it honestly felt like a, a major release for the year as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, speed runs at uh, AGDQ. Oh, man. There's, oh, wow. Okay. The yeah, speed runs of the game. That'll yeah. be excellent. Also, Game Pass, like, it'll come up a lot on, the, on this list. Like, the, 2022 <laughs> was an, int- an incredible year for Game Pass. I think, like, yeah, half really of the games I played this year were on Game Pass, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, That's my number nine. Number nine. Fantastic. Um, before I just do my number eight, I looked through all my lists. I have never once put a Ubisoft-developed game on my list until Mario wow. Rabbids. The only other one is... Um, uh, South Park, The Stick of Truth, which was Obsidian, but Ubisoft published it, so yeah. that's the closest they ever got. So there you go. Congratulations, Ubisoft, on your worst year, but you managed to get one good game out. Good job, I guess. Also, fun nice, thing. well done, idiots. Um, my number eight is Roller Drome. Nice. Um, this is a game that I am not good at. I have I'm not sure finished. Oh. Um. <laughs> But that's not because I don't want to finish it. It's more of like I said when we did a big chat about it on the podcast. You're I like am perfecting just, it. I'm per- per- perfecting it and like um, taking my time with it, sort of savoring it, you know, because there's like 12 levels or so and then it'll be over. Um, yeah. I, with Sable last year and this game this year, I realize I'm a big fan of this style, this cell shaded, whatever you want to call it, aesthetic mm-hmm. is yeah. very good. It, like it's a great art style um, and they nail it here. Um, I really like just the overall presentation of the whole thing. Outside of the visuals, they do great stuff with their titles, with their transitions into levels are extremely cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they have these little interstitial storytelling moments between um, like finals, semifinals, qualifying, and stuff like that, um, where they they actually paint like a fairly interesting picture of their world in a very small amount of time. They they it's like a there's some shit going down in the roller dome world. Um, that's for sure. And uh, those bits are neat. But more than anything, it's just a good ass playing game. Like I said, I'm not good at it mainly because of the tricks. My brain has just never been good at that stuff. The Tony Hawk, ugh, holy shit, I'm bad at those games. Yeah. Um, I might try playing it on a controller because I have been doing it on a mouse and keyboard. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was, I was a controller. And the trick system is a little fiddly on a on a keyboard, you know? It's mm. a little bit like rubbing your head and patting your belly or whatever, um, yeah. or vice versa. And so I'm not great at the trick system, but what I like about the whole package and the combat and the movement and everything is it, it gets me to play... It makes me want to play at the best and put on a show, even though no one's there. Um, and it's mm. those those types of combat systems are sort of rare. Yeah. Um, Doom Eternal is one where I'm just like, I want to play at the absolute best that I can, and I get annoyed when I fuck up and like lose the flow. Yeah, for sure. And um, those are special combat systems that trigger that for me, and this very much triggers that for me. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I have not finished it. Uh, I really need to just like. I kind of need to go back several levels and just sort of ease back into it because oh, yeah. every level is like three minutes. If you're just yeah, exactly. Levels. Yeah, yeah. But I have been enjoying. I've been 100 percenting each level as I go, which is fun. The challenges are a good time, and I save the uh, the high score run for the last attempt, basically. So it's like you learn the whole level and the spawns really nicely, and then knock out like a million point score, which is um, very fun. It's good. It's a uh, it's a very cool, weird game. A third-person shooter, rollerblades trick, Tony Hawk trick game thing. Yeah, uh, I think we talked about it as well. I, it's a little disappointing that like all the environments are just these um, stadiums. It makes sense in the context of the whole game, but I would almost love to see them expand on this format the way they did because this is the uh, the Ollie yes. Ollie team, and I I really want to check out. They put out two games last year. I really want to check out Ollie Ollie World. Uh, because yeah, it seems extremely well. cool, and I, um, I feel like this could, this f- idea could be expanded into something really neat. In a yeah, if you I brought the, the walls first down, game to know. be expand, uh, expanded on. Yeah, yeah, I get why they didn't. They kept it, um, you know, focused, which is fine. True, they're doing yeah. that Tony Hawk thing, like it was. That's all very level based, and they're all ramps and half pipes and all that. But I think you could build a weird world that you could explore and do combat in i don't know there's i think there's a lot of potential for ex- expansion with roller drone yeah i don't I know agree. that they ever will but um it's it's still a really neat little thing and uh yeah hmm, where are you gonna say something yeah no i just i also played that game and i finished it mm-hmm. uh, but i think i got through it in like five hours and i just like you said i wanted more yeah uh from the format of that game from the settings the levels mm-hmm. because have you done a boss fight yet Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, like 60% of the way through or so. Okay. Uh, big, I don't like, want to spoil anything, but that thing. is like the only boss fight in the entire game. That's fine. I, I'm... It's a good yeah. boss. Yeah. It's a really good boss. And in the end, it kind of ups the ante and it's very satisfying. But yeah, I almost wish I didn't see that boss because that got my brain wilding right. out on ideas and concepts of, of like, oh, wow, there's a lot more potential here than just like a skate ramp, a skate park. Yes, yeah. 
And yeah, again, I just came away from that game wanting more from the level design. Uh, but the combat system is amazing and fun. And the music yeah. is great and the visuals are cool as well. Cool game. Yeah, extremely cool. Is Yeah, that's a, it's the coolest game probably of the year for Ooh. me. Just My number eight might have something to say about that. Okay, well, we'll talk. And I also just <laughs> want to make a point of saying um, I have it written down for, every, for a lot of the games on this list. Uh, like you just mentioned, very good music. Uh, this 2022, yes. I may not have loved the games, but the music, holy shit, there was a lot of good video game music, music this year. year. Mm-hmm. 2021, there wasn't much that stood out, but 2022, whew, mm-hmm. my God. So uh, Rollerdrome, very good OST as well. And that is yeah. all. Talking of good music, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to keep yeah. the segues going here. Though. So far, we've done pretty well. My number eight for 2022 is Neon White. Mm. Uh, ever since I played, like, uh, no one is going to know what the hell I'm talking about, but there was a little indie game years ago called Lonely Planet. Right. And it was quite similar to the blueprints of Neon White. You had a gun and you were trying to run through a strange Japanese colourful level and shoot enemies as quick as possible. And I kept going back to Lonely Planet because there was just nothing else like it for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, this year, last year, uh, Neon White just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, I remember the trailer popping up at like some Game Awards stuff and not to be rude to Neon White, but that game doesn't really translate very well visually. It's just, I don't know, a lot of indie games, not to be rude, they kind of can blend together and look kind of the same. And Neon White kind of succumbed to that fate for me where I saw it for 30 seconds and I was like, that looks like an indie game thing. Mm-hmm. Also, it had like playing cards in the trailer. And I was like, oh God, more playing card stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it turns out Neon White is fucking cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for anyone who missed it, it's basically a game which encourages speed running within its levels, uh, but it also doesn't really force you. I think to finish the game, you do have to reach a certain criteria of medals per level. Uh, but the best thing about Neon White is it allows you to dive down the rabbit hole of every level as deep as you want to go. Uh, the only thing you have to accomplish in Neon White is kill every demon and get to the end of the level. And the first time you beat every level, you will follow the main path that the game kind of visually guides you along. And it's always fun to do that because it feels great to do the main path in every level. The levels flow amazing, they're all designed really well, and you'll get to the end and you'll get like a bronze medal. And you'll be like, (laughs) what the fuck do you mean bronze, dude? I went so fast. And then the game cleverly will give you like a little hint, a little visual hint saying, you know, you could actually jump over this wall over here and cut off this entire chunk of the level which we designed. And then you do that and you get a, like a diamond medal. You're like, oh, that's cool. But wait a minute. There's another wall over here. The game hasn't hinted towards me to jump over. And I feel like I could jump over that. But you never have to do that. The game allows you to dive as deep as you want on a per level basis. And every level is really cleverly designed around that concept of playing for 30 seconds to 30 minutes per level. And there's a lot of content in this game. I have played for 12 hours, and I haven't beaten this game. Yeah. I'm on chapter 7 of tw- 12, 10? 10, or, 10 or 11, I think. Yeah, I think I'm on the final chapter. And yeah. Yeah, I'm at like 15 hours or something, yeah. I just like, I hit a wall when I got to 2022 catch-up stuff, and I went yeah. to a bunch of other games. I actually jumped in recently just to get a, a feel for Neon White again. And the game has a really, the game does a great job of varying 
like the uh, the guns in the game. The guns are basically just a representation of uh, movement mechanics. They obviously do shoot bullets as well, but there's a fun mechanic where when you get rid of the gun, when you discard the gun, it initiates a type of movement which is very important to platforming and platforming fast. And there's a very like strategic part of the game where you're figuring out how to use the bullets before you get rid of each gun. It's like a yeah. weird platforming speedrun puzzle game. And I think I'm going to stop trying to describe the game because it's really alien and bizarre. It has a really unique format to it. And I think because I know Jameson edits these videos and you'll be seeing his speedy footage, I think you can probably just get a sense of how this game flows and works from just watching the footage. Mm -hmm. And if it looks satisfying to you, I would highly recommend it. It's not only a good platforming game, but if you're actually good at shooting, you'll be able to find unique strategies from that. Oh, and yeah. It feels, it feels really satisfying to not only platform fast, smooth, and good, but to hit a crazy hard, like, long-distance shot to hit a demon and, like, cut off five seconds. Uh, yeah, this game is very unique. It feels amazing and satisfying to play. Its music's amazing. Its art is unique. I didn't mm. like it when I saw the trailer, but... I have weirdly come to quite like the style of Neon White. It's extremely legible. Like yeah. Yeah, it's, it all exists it's... to make it, like, super clear what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is controversial, but I've, I've weirdly come to like its weird, like, anime's novel storybook stuff. Huh. It's giant cringe fest. Because I just don't think it would be the same game without it. I don't think the writing is very good. But, I don't know, it's just part of the strange puzzle that makes Neon White what it is, if that makes sense. And I kind of just, like, like this weird game for all of its positives and its flaws. And if it didn't have that stuff, it just wouldn't have stuck in my head as much as it has, I think. Even if I think some of the writing and dialogue is really strange, cringy, and... Uh, sometimes perverted. <laughs> huh. Like, odd. I won't lie, uh, yeah. I have fast-forwarded through every single second of the dialogue. Cause I've I have listened I, to all of it. I am... Um, even the intro video, I was like, oh, God. I like the intro video. It goes oh, hard. God. I also... I'm, I don't love the music. I think it, <gasps> it's... I love the music in this It game. works for the, like, propelling you forward, but it doesn't... I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. But I don't, I don't love it. It's really music. weird music. It is. It is. Yeah. It's very strange. I don't even have to put a genre on it. Like but the it, visuals, again, I wouldn't say I love either the visuals or the music, but they both work really well for making you play fast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the style of this game. I, I do. Yeah. I, it's yeah. hard to pin that. It just makes for a really unique thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm complimenting every aspect of it, especially the writing and story, but there's just nothing else like this very strange alien package. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my number eight, Neon White. Uh, if you like going fast in games, highly recommend it. Uh, the visual gameplay that you're seeing right now is probably selling it more than talking about it. Uh, it's a crazy content-rich package as well, which is a bit of a theme for 2022. Lots of games had lots of hours behind them, which is lovely. <laughs> yeah, maybe not always a positive, but yes. Not always a positive, yeah, but I've been 12 hours in and I've taken a break. Yeah. And I look forward to the fact that I can come back and probably play like another six or seven hours of that game. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, There, there's some cool stuff further in as well. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. My, no my number eight. Well, I didn't, I didn't love the visuals, 
in neon white. We're trying to keep the segues here. Um, segues. Number seven, I really didn't like the way it looked, and that's why it's so good. It's called Scorn. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, I'm probably going to get put on a watch list or something for having this on my number on my top 10, but uh, yeah. Scorn is a sicko pervert game made for sickos and by sickos, and I'm not convinced that it wasn't someone's fetish game, but that's okay because um, it sure nails what it's going for. Yeah. And what it's I mean, going for. The source for, material is perverted anyway, right? It is, yeah. I think actually. I'm sort of being rude to them because it is such a complete, perfect, uh, what's the word? Uh, Capsulation? Evocation, encapsulation, Mm. yeah, of the H.R. Giger mentality and aesthetic. Like, Giger's stuff was not just aesthetically wild, it was was conceptually wild as well. And Mm. it's all about, like, flesh and machinery merging and running horribly amok and yeah. um and there i can't remember what the term is for his like philosophy or whatever that but like they nail they understand everything about it in scorn and, and all of scorn like every single thing in that game is about that basically uh yeah. like all the guns the parasites the like weird story the ship stuff you find at the end um it's a real fucking weird thing, and I mm-hmm. can't believe it got like the exposure that it got. <laughs> yeah, the marketing was odd. Um, because it's an extremely weird game, even without the visuals. It's a like there's it's mostly a mist ish game in that there's like really obtuse large scale mechanical puzzles that you have to solve to progress through the game. Um, and then they also put a bit of shooting in it, which is not good. And no. also the puzzles aren't very good either because the visual style has run amok so completely that it like corrupts the readability of the puzzles. Mm. And the puzzles are obnoxious. But I didn't really give a shit about any of that <laughs> because yeah. I was so perplexed by the fucking bizarre ass art yeah. and vibe of the entire thing and uh, i said it on the podcast i i regard the um the alien you know go visiting the alien ship in alien one uh i regard that scene very highly and this is an entire game that's just that for three hours or four mm-hmm. hours basically um it only took me like three hours and 15 minutes to beat and it is maybe the most memorable th- three-hour game i'll ever play (laughs) i don't know if it's a positive but because i wanted to like have a shower at the end of the game and i also was worried i i was going to be like put on a like federal watch list at times especially near the end yeah um when the flesh really starts to go into other flesh and uh (laughs) that game's fucked up that game is fucked up and um yeah i don't know if it's a good game I don't think it nah. is, nah, it's but I game. I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they did either. No, I don't think they did either. And I respect that. I respect yeah, their utter commitment to just, we're going to make this game look exactly like that guy's art. Yeah. And that's not a small accomplishment. Like they spent years working on the game for a reason because the art 
is so astonishing. It's so mm-hmm. detailed. It I don't think I've ever seen a game that so thoroughly nails exactly what it's going for. And it's yeah, I know you're probably saying. the best looking game of the year in that sense. Like mm-hmm. the it just it, every area looks like a weird horrible painting in a way and yeah. uh yeah it almost uh, looks yeah. at times like ai art you know we get that like yeah. malformed twisted uh psychedelic alien stuff yeah and i mean that's handmade yeah and that's um there there was another f- artist um that they were really inspired by that has a much harder to remember name um mm. uh yeah zadislav be- be- uh zadislav Bek- beksinski He's a Polish painter. His art looks like AI art, let me tell you. Mm. Um, it's very disturbing, very weird, like flesh and technology and geometry sort of merging in. Uh, so those were the two. Uh, Geiger's the famous one, though, so he gets all the credit. But um, yeah. Ugh, Scorn. Oh, fucking yeah. what the hell was that game? Uh, I, I like Scorn as well. Yeah. It's a good experience. It was certainly an experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to be a certain person to connect with it. I understand why people wouldn't like it. Oh, I yeah. I think if everyone liked it, that would mean they did the wrong thing, if that makes yes. sense. I think games where everyone likes them are really boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, which we will maybe talk about later on this list. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone um, except for us. Yeah. This is like the definition of a cult classic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's raised up to mostly positive on Steam. Just looking at it here, which feels right, you know. It, it's like a bunch. Most people are going to be really put off by it, but there's a certain sicko that is going to really be into it. And um, I, yeah, we are those people. So I especially yeah. am. So yeah, nice. Good job, weird people that made this. I don't know. They're probably European. Do you want to keep the segues going? If you can, go for it. Talking about disgusting, strange, psychedelic games, my number seven of 2022 is Norco. Mmm, right, yes. Yeah, probably Great. the most recent one I've played, which made it onto my list. Cool. Um, I have no idea how to explain this one. <laughs> I'm actually... Sorry to get a bit like on script and not free flowing, but I am going to have to just read some notes for this one because yeah, go for it. It is the strangest game of the year that I played. Mm. Uh, it's a point and click narrative adventure. Uh, it's based around a near future Louisiana where your mum has recently died while investigating a strange orb in the nearby lake. That is the opening premise of the game. Um, but it goes many, many, many strange strange places Mm. uh what happens next can only be described as an alice in wonderland swamp gas psychedelic parody but also self-serious adventure you might dream up when suffering from a fever that Mm. was my notes if you couldn't tell uh i think the only small problem with norco is it does take a little while to get going Mm, yeah the first couple of chapters of norco you're like uh what is this game what's happening what what's it going for what's it trying to be and what's it trying to do is it trying to be funny is it trying to be clever and for me it did take until act three for everything to really fall there's three acts so the last Mm. third of the game everything like really comes together nicely all the setups pay off all the characters come together and i i do think it has my favorite 
writing and characters of the entire year. And you may be looking through the list that isn't actually that much of a... No, it's not a high bar. It's not that much of a high bar. Uh, This game also has incredible art at times. You'll see when you get to it. Uh, And it manages to go from feeling uh, quite profound and poetic and intellectual to also feeling quite stupid, silly, fun and juvenile, like the next scene. It has a real backwards and forwards in tones and intent. But it just somehow balances everything really well. It kind of reminds me of like some of the better Korean films. So they flip mm. between tones in a way which doesn't feel like you're getting whiplash. Um, some parts of the game are even like kind of obnoxious in their abstract like poetry. I felt similar about certain aspects of Kentucky Route Zero where it was going like a little far for my taste. But quite similar to, to Kentucky Route Zero, it always comes back around just in time and it never hangs too long on some of the more out there scenes. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I want to say much more. It's a, If you like this genre, and if you like strange, interesting worlds, sci-fi concepts, and abstract artistry in video games at times, if you like Disco Elysium and you like Kentucky Route Zero, yeah. You should play Norco. Uh, I think it's definitely up with Disco Elysium for me. I might even like Norco a little bit better. Mm. Because Disco Elysium itself has some really great moments of levity, but I think it sticks to... It plays it a little straighter than Norco. Actually, I don't know. They actually both are a little silly at times. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to match them for now. Mm. They both have a real like backwards and forwards in tone, which makes me respect both those games a lot. And yeah, Norco is kind of brilliant, I think. And I think I'm going to leave it there because it's on Game Pass. And I don't know how to sell it to people. But again, if you like Disco Elysium, that type of vibe, you should really play Norco. It's something quite special, even if you don't like it. (laughs) And that's how I'll leave it. This is one of the like major ones that I want to play through, um, but I just haven't gotten to yet. That's not true. Like I, I played two hours of it in June, yeah. um, and then have tried to. I booted it up like twice over the last couple of weeks and played for like fifteen minutes, and then I'm just like, I'm not in a reading game mood right now. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm just sort of, but it's interesting to hear that it uh, that what you said about chapter one and two because it it is a, does feel a little meandering. Um, yeah, early it gets on so fucking far. crazy near the end. Yeah, I, I've seen little hints of that for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I historically do like these types of games and these weird things, and I've heard people praise it endlessly. So I look forward to getting into the mood to play it because, um, yeah, it seems like my jam. It also gets I, really funny at the end as well. It like sets up a lot of good character stuff that all pays off nicely. Nice, yeah. I um I remember laughing. Pretty good at the uh, weird cat bit early on in the when he in the shoots into the sky. when he shoots into the fucking moon, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. That's, but yeah, that that's was like funny. a good like setup for what that game is going to be like at times. Yeah, right now I'm uh, trying to get into the Best Buy that's run by all the Bryans or whatever the fuck their names are. Um, yeah, that's my favorite section of the which game, which is very weird. Um, yeah, yeah, I look forward to it very much because yeah, Disco Elysium was great. Kentucky Road Zero. I think I'm more on the side of like. I like the seriousness of Kentucky Route Zero. 
Um, mm-hmm. That game is a very contemplative, very slow. Uh, I think about that game like constantly. <laughs> I really look forward to replaying all of KZ mm-hmm. or KRZ. Yeah, I can replay it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. I'm glad it's on the list. I'm glad it showed up here somewhere because uh, yeah, it 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 really it sort of snuck out early this year, and I, there was some. Yeah. That's why I bought it because um, I saw people talking about it. But it's definitely picked up a lot of momentum over it since mainly because Game Pass now. So that's great. So. We've had a very Excellent. varied list so far, I will say. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what our total is. It's normally, I think we, our average number of games is 15. Right, because um, like our bottom five is weird indie games that we have different tastes for. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see. So far, there hasn't been anything, right, that we've Not shared? Anything. No, Which not is, yet. That's cool, yeah. Um, I don't think number, my number six is going to be on your list. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised. Because you did not like a lot of it in the way that I... Oh, well, under- yes. My no, number nice. six is A Plague Tale Requiem. Nice. Um, so, major caveat to get out of the way, much like Scorn, I don't think the gameplay is very fun in this game. In fact, um, the gameplay systems are exactly the things that I bitch about a lot. Uh, mm. See The Last of Us review. See parts of, you know, I don't know, any game that's like crouch in the grass and throw the thing to distract yeah, I, like so i just, I just want to say that i recently yeah. played through this game like last week and i was the first 10 hours of that game i was like i can't believe jameson liked this game <laughs> i yeah. was like shocked because i did i really did not like the first and 10 you hours historically do enjoy those types of like you can you like you enjoyed playing the last of us too right like yeah uh, I did. or stealthing around at times in horizon for example yeah um, I, I don't. Um, I think for so, me, like, I don't want to, like, obviously overlap your review, no, no, but go, go. I liked, I liked the first game because it was, you know, it's the first unique entry, and it's like, oh, yeah. this is a weird, very nice-looking game in a horrible plague with rats, and the novelty carried it, and I just felt like the first 10 hours was the same game mm. all over again, mm-hmm. except the combat was more frustrating because you start with, like, no combat options, really. Yeah, and then you get a crossbow, and you just murder everyone for the last half of the game. Yeah, I'll let you continue before I interject. Yeah, so by cha- it's like it's quite a long game. So by it chapter is, yeah. three, I was about to stop playing it and never touch it again because I was so not enjoying the combat. Yeah, I was tempted. And so I knocked it down to easy. And I'm very glad I did because A, I would not have played through the whole game. Um, and B, easy obviously makes things uh, easier, weirdly enough. Huh. It... Um, you know, you can get away with a lot more things. You can stealth more generously, all these things. And um, I was, yeah. So like, I have to just sort of basically pick up the whole gameplay and just be like, put that over there. Okay, gameplay, whatever. Which is not the last I'm going to do that um, for this list, um, which is unfortunate because it is a video game. So Mm. um, the gameplay is a large part of it. But... Um, what I liked about this game was the journey, and I, I had played most of the first game, and it honestly didn't do, like, anything for me, and I couldn't tell you why. Hmm. I thought it was fine. I, I don't remember anything from it, though. Um, it was the same as the second game. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. Less rats, I will say. Less rats. Less rats, yeah, and less misery not much less misery because the first game is still you know bad bad times happening everywhere but um yeah i think you said you know the novelty was 
fresh and interesting for you in the first game. And I felt that way with this game because the first game like barely exists in my brain. Um, I think I was also in the right mood for this type of thing when I wasn't for the first game. Um, I enjoy a few things about this game that I don't get a lot of from games anymore. And it's that it's a linear action adventure experience that lasts like 12 to 15 hours. It sort of, represents like a type of game that has been mostly missing for a long time um and it that sort of linear tight experience is still something that i want for a lot nowadays especially as every game is 100 hours long yeah and open world i also like that it's just this weird fucking french studio making a game you know, it's it it's one of those like sort of double A with triple A yeah. intentions, and I we've talked about that a lot over the years, and I I, I have a special place in my heart for those games, yeah, and me they too. are like the Metro series is exactly like this yeah. to me in that it's like it's endearing. They're trying their hearts out. They're not always getting there, but like they're putting in so much effort and 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 passion, and I love that, and you can yeah. feel it in the game. I think even when I was streaming, I was like, it's nice to play a game which looks like a AAA game, but you can tell it was made by people. Yes. Like not by a machine algorithm. Y- yeah. Like not yeah. to rip on like the big AAA games, but they're so shiny yeah. and highly produced and flawless that I don't know. I like the human element of when Hugo's AI breaks and he starts spinning in circles. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, the, and the I just like finding broke. That's cute. I like it. I just like the fact that it's trying to be like The Last of Us, basically. Yeah. Um, except it's 14th century Southern France rat apocalypse, mm-hmm. and you're playing as children, and it's a yeah. stealth game. Like it's just such a weird package, such a weird idea, such a weird pitch. Um, but they execute it. Like they commit to it. They don't always execute it well in the gameplay side of things, but they commit to the whole thing and. The journey was great, and I especially liked it by the time the second half of the game is kind of kind of fantastic for me. Like the from arriving at the island onwards is just like a great fun roller coaster of nonsense um, and yeah, for, misery. Yeah, I, <laughs> for me, it was I stood in like the beginning of the island, the bit where you're like climbing up the mountain to get to like the the catacomb yeah, or, yeah, or like I, the church thing, yeah. Because that's like the last force stealth section in the game. That was actually right. one of my lowest points of the entire game. Because I just I couldn't stand the insta-fail force stealth. And I do remember I specifically wasn't... that bit being really annoying. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But after that, seemingly out of nowhere, the game just became good right. for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad You unlock a bunch of different options, which makes combat more sandboxy. You actually have options and different things you can do to take down enemies. And the game becomes way more interesting in its story. You're not just crawling around fields and hiding in grass. Yeah. It kind of becomes a little scorny, I want to say. Uh, and Uncharted-y as well, like, in terms yeah. of the scope. Um, it becomes, like, really gross, dirty, and nasty, and sad, yeah. miserable, and full of failure. <laughs> and I kind of love the last 15 yes. minutes. Yeah. Uh, 15 hours, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, um, now. It's last like five, five hours. Five hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got done the third time. Yeah, um, yeah. That was like I had enjoyed it up to there, and I had enjoyed them just being like, just sort of crawling through the shit of 
their city and not really just like running from everything. I had enjoyed all that. But then once it gets to the island and they start to get into the like lore of the plague and how it's like this, this anyways. And then it just sort of peaks in the last five hours of just like, it goes crazy. Uh, It goes crazy. Like I had, I'm glad that you felt that way. Cause like I had, I think I'd said like this game goes for it in the end. And, uh, I didn't want to oversell it, but I didn't think I you did. Didn't. So it you came good. Uh, <laughs> it really goes mental. It goes crazy. Yeah. So I, um, I, I had a great. I actually had like a great time with it in, in retrospect, and I, and obviously it is helped by playing on easy. But like the, I, I feel very fondly about the last sort of six or seven hours of it, and um, uh, and then like the presentation. Like the visuals are phenomenal. I played it on my TV. It looks insane. The rats look so good. Their um, rat tech is actually like really impressive. I don't know how they do that. It is, yeah. I think they said they got it up to three hundred and fifty thousand rats Damn. on it looks, screen. It looks really Steam. cool. Yeah, and they're basically, you know, they're like a particle system, basically. I would imagine with nice. a large particle, but um, and then most importantly, thing I like most in this game is the music. Um, <laughs> this game has a fascinating soundtrack it um and it, the game would be substantially lesser without the yeah. music or with different music because this game the soundtrack goes hard uh it is it's like <sighs> choirish yeah. but orchestral and crunchy sort of at times because there's like a lot of like harsh violins yeah um, but Whenever then the they rats get into... are about to come. It has that little violin sting. Yeah, yeah, the the stingers and the violins. But then they use vocals really, really well. You go into this ancient giant tomb, and um, and it's like this deep, like bassy, throaty, spooky sort of male choir going. And early when you get to the island, there's like this, and I, I actually saw this exact type of music in a movie recently that was also set in the south of france so i think it might be like a south of france thing but it's like this very light airy choir sound that they have uh anyways it's it's hard to describe music obviously but it (laughs) um it creates a certain vibe that is pretty unlike any game music i've ever heard before and it uh has stuck with me a lot like Good music can elevate a project a long ways because oh, yeah. music is, you know, very unique in that way. Um, so, yeah, I uh, it was not on my radar at all. I did not think I was going to enjoy it, especially early on when I was very much not enjoying it. And um, by the end, I was like kind of struggling to put it down in the yeah. last like five hour chunk. And it ends uh, hilariously grim. <laughs> and it has a really cool post game stinger as well. And, yeah, you know, that was cool. It, but it but it also feels like it's over, like it's done. Like it, if they do a third game, it's going to be very different. It's not going to be continuing this story. Yeah. in the sense of the characters. So, uh, and I weirdly enjoyed the small cast of characters. I uh, like the yeah, I'd say I did. Arno is fun, and the lady, the gypsy lady, is cool. Um, Sophia, yeah. Sophia, yeah. And Lucas is like, okay. Amicia is sort of obnoxious, but again, I talked yeah, about that on the podcast. She's like, very annoying. I think it's not, I don't think it's accidental. It's just sort of, it's hard when it's the main character that is obnoxious. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a hell of a ride. That's for sure. 
I say Misu and Hugo are flawed in like a way which makes sense for their childish characters in a really adult situation type thing. Exactly. Like Amisu is like what sixteen? Six fifteen, sixteen, something like that. And she's help you know, she's trying to keep her like six year old brother alive. Like it's a f- yeah. it's fucked, man. <laughs> um so I can't but it is, you know, I understand why they're obnoxious and stressed out all the time, but yeah. it is sort of exhausting as the player at times to, to have it that can be, yeah. nonstop. So, uh, but yeah, that was my number six. Nice. Diverse list so far. Yeah. I think we're going to keep it going as well for Hell a yeah. little bit. My number six is Curse of the Golden Idol. Mm, yes. This year was not amazing for puzzle games um until this little game came along for me mm. i feel like this flew under people's radar uh i mean i've said it to you in the discord and to everyone who's played it but this is essentially it feels like a spiritual predecessor to Oberdin. when i first described it to you guys i called it Oberdin 0.5 because it has the same gameplay style and philosophies but it feels like a little bit of a step backwards in terms of ambition, mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, you are essentially similar to Oberdin. You are investigating a still moment from a murder scene, kind of frozen in time, except you can pan through different rooms, uh, inspect objects and the pockets of people who were there. And then you have to deduce, decipher, decode what happened in the scene, who killed who, what happened, how it went down, and sometimes more than that, depending on the puzzle you are doing. Um, I liked that compared to Oberdin, I shouldn't really compare, they're completely two different games, but it's hard not to compare them. But I did like how they were individual little puzzles in uh, The Golden Idol. I would do pretty much one a day, except for at the very beginning when they were very short, uh, with a cup of coffee in the morning. And But for me, this game wasn't really that high up this list as I was playing it. I was mostly just passively enjoying it as a fan of the Oberdin and being like, hey, this is something close to that. And I'm enjoying doing one of these little puzzles every morning. Um, but this is, I think I've already said this a few times uh, for games in my list. It really came together right at the very end for, for me because I didn't know what was happening in this game overall. There is a continuous story from puzzle to puzzle. And I was connecting characters and events and I was seeing the golden idol pop up and I was starting to figure out what it did, but I didn't really understand what was happening. And there's a really clever reveal near the end, which brought everything together for me in a way which I wasn't expecting. Because sometimes I just don't give a shit about stories and I shut my brain off and be like, whatever, I'm Mm -hmm. playing a game and I'm enjoying the gameplay. And I did that with Golden Idol. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I actually now understand everything which has happened in this game. And I think it's kind of brilliant. And that is what cemented it as one of the best games of the year for me. Was not only was it a great little puzzle game, but it told a really fun story in a format where I was almost unaware I was being told a story or understanding the story until the very end. That's cool. Yeah, the plot twist of the game was, oh, wait, I kind of wasn't supposed to be understanding the game because it left out vital parts of the puzzle. I thought it was me, but it was kind of intentional. And then it releases a few little pieces of information and it's like, oh, I get it now. Mm. Uh, I love the art style of this game. It's really kind of janky and muddy and clumsy in a way which I find really charming. 
And I love the music for this game as well. One of my favorite soundtracks of the entire year. And yeah, I don't think I want to dive too much into details. It's a puzzle game, so it's always fun to just dive in mostly blind. Uh, if you like Oberdin and if you like the puzzle genre in general, this is my biggest recommend uh, of the year for puzzle games. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and I love the little story it told. Cool. Yeah, that th this is another one of those ones that's late um, in the year for me, and I, I've just not been in the right mood for it. So it's like on yeah. my sort of shame list of like, I look for, like I played an hour of it and I was like, eh. Also, we have, we have to talk about something. Mm. There is an inherent bias which comes out of discovering something from nothing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Oh yeah. Like, I, I already know you're probably not going to like this game as much as me because I've told you how much I like the game. <laughs> for sure, yeah, yeah. And I found this game from a Twitter post saying, um lucas pope recommends yeah. this game and i and it had like 50 reviews on steam and i bought it and i felt like i was one of the first people in the world to play it that was like and, me with Oberdin, basically like yeah. i played it the night it came out and i was like this is incredible <laughs> and there is something a little bit special about thinking oh, yeah. or feeling like you are an early a hipster to yeah. a dis un like a cult classic and undiscovered gem and for me, that was Curse of the Golden Idol this year. It felt like I was the first person in the world to play it, even though I obviously wasn't. Uh, and yeah, it turned out to be a great little thing. And I still stand by that it's a, it's a great little puzzle game. And I highly recommend it. I'll be very curious to uh, see it all the way through. It, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a very infrequent feeling that you get that. It's fun to sort it of is, go yeah. diving into Steam every now and then and be like, oh, this thing, this has like 200 reviews. I'm going to pick it up and give it a try. And uh, mm -hmm. Every now and then you find something and you're like, oh, fuck, this is amazing. And then it, it, yeah. it blew up pretty quickly. Um, it did, yeah. Which is cool. Which is good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. We need more detective games, more yes, good detective puzzle games. Yeah. The great genre. It is. Correctly. It is. Yeah. Tricky. Tricky to get right, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I have a good transition for this one. I don't know. We'll see. No. We'll see. We'll see. Um. I was just realizing, yeah, we, we so far no overlap at all, which ten, is ten cool. games so far, right? Ten games so far, yeah. We we definitely yeah. have a, a lot of overlap in like six and seven has overlapped a lot historically, mm -hmm. and our ones have overlapped a lot historically. Um, yeah, uh, this will be a very interesting top five. Mm -hmm. um, well, my next game is the exact opposite of discovered before anyone <laughs> else had played it. <laughs> okay. No one knew it was coming. This is not that game. I know it's God of War is. Ragnarok. Yeah. <sighs> do we do we have to even talk about God of War Ragnarok? We just talked about it for two hours. No, no, yeah, we just put a two-hour chat out about it. Here's yeah. the thing that's tough with the placement for this guy. My number five has often been a spot where I'm just like, I I don't know how to, where to put a game, so I put it at five because it's right in the middle. You know, my gut says. It should be lower Ooh, on my list damn, okay. in terms of how how frustrated and disappointed it left me. But my brain says, no, 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 come on, come on, stop it. And so, yeah, I don't really know what to say. What was your number six? Plague Tale. So yeah, like, man, you, you've got to have more fun with Ragnarok than Plague Tale, right? Probably, yes. Right. But, but the overall feeling is hard and and god of war is also suffering from recency 
Um, it's out very recently, and I... You're still in, like, the, the stung period, which yeah, I went I... through with Forbidden West. Exactly. And I like I like giving a game, like, a year to sort of settle in and see really how I really do feel about it. Yeah. Um, and... That might... That will come up later. Yeah, exactly. And, and... Uh, I, I also, like, I want to replay the game in New Game Plus so I can really get an idea of whether or not I, I do actually like the combat, because, like, I should, in theory, because I love the first game's combat, but I... I yeah, I don't... So, yeah, you should, I feel. <laughs> and, should. and I also want to replay it because part of the reason I put so much time into it so quickly was because I was like, I want to get through the main story, and I kept thinking that, at the very least the big finale would be awesome, you know? And so I burned through it really quickly as well, sort of chasing that. Um, so I look forward to replaying God of War and like being able to just come to terms with the fact that the story sucked and the other parts of it are sort of boring and repetitive, but it's still really cool and awesome, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, my main like reminder for me was like, think of the Nidhogg fight. Think of the yeah, Thor fight. So Think of the giant and the cauldron. Think of Fenrir and Gnar. What was it? Gnar? 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 Uh, I don't know. The Helheim dog. Oh, Nom? The, Nom? Nom? Narm? I don't know. Think of, you know, all the cool visuals and, and the sick moment where, like, someone turns into a bear when you're fighting in, like, a weird... Like, there's, like, a weird galaxy visual in the background. And, yeah, you know, there's just, like... There's a ton of cool shit in the game, and yeah. there were, you know, the first time you get the spear, and it's like, okay, there's a lot of good shit in God of War. But like I said, that's my, that's the most accurate way I can summarize it. My gut is like, eh, but my brain is like, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all. That's all I'll just, we did a two-hour chat about God two of War. Two-hour chat. You can leave a link to that down below. Feelings are complicated. Yeah. And. Uh, going into it, I would have thought it would have been, like, an easy top couple of game. Like, top two, you know, based on how much I liked the first game and what mm -hmm. I expected from it. So, yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> we can talk about it in a bit. Uh, my list is, um, the next four mm. are a little strange because I almost... I almost got to the point where I was going to consider two draws mm. because my five and four went to war. Mm. They have gone backwards and forwards, switching multiple times. And my three and my two did the exact same thing mm. where I've switched. I switched them so many times where I was like, wait, if I can't decide this simple thing, then surely it's a draw. But I, I, I actually ch I changed. I changed my five and four. While we were talking, and then I oh, changed it back. I'm not don't joking. Worry. I've done that before. <laughs> I've done that more than once. You might even hear me typing. I actually changed my number five to four, and then my number four to five. And then I was like, no, 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 you can't. Just put it back. <laughs> anyway, my number five of 2022 is Sifu. Ah, yes, Sifu. Sifu is... Mm. I kind of like when when I you know used this. I try and be cool with the segues, and I said like Neon White was the coolest game of the year. I lied. The coolest game of the year is Sifu. It's also the hardest game of the year for me because I'm not very good at fighting games. 
Uh, I'm not even very good at Souls games, and that is like light attack and dodge, and that's the whole game. And Sifu is a bit more demanding than that. Actually, it's way more demanding than anything I've ever played. Uh, if people haven't played Sifu, the format is every time you die in Sifu, you get older until you cross over 80 years old, and then you die for good and your run is over. Uh, there are five long, difficult levels. Uh, and you basically have to beat all five of them in one run. Uh, the game does allow for shortcuts, but if you use the shortcuts, you skip gaining experience and gaining upgrades via these little dragon trophies. Uh, it does allow basically checkpointing at a level from your best starting age, but really, no matter what, eventually you're going to have to beat all five long levels with five hard boss fights in one run. And there is no way to do that without mastering this game. Um, and the thing that this game reminded me the most of is my journey through Sekiro. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go over it again, but Sekiro, I got my ass handed to me for like 10 to 15 hours. And I didn't really enjoy Sekiro because of that for a little while. And then I managed to get over that hump in Sekiro, and it was one of the most satisfying experiences in gaming. And I think Sifu might have beaten Sekiro when it comes to just that satisfaction point of mastery. There really is no game quite like this when it comes to mastering a combat system. Uh, it took me a long time to master this uh, game. I even got to the last boss in the game. And I realized when I got to the last boss of the entire game that I don't know shit about Sifu and I'm really bad <laughs> at this game because I couldn't land a hit on oh, wow. the final boss for three hours. Wow. Yeah. And then during the final boss of the game, it was like, it was like seeing the Matrix. It was like I unlocked the code finally. Mm. And after I beat the final boss for the first time, there's a secret ending where you have to go through the entire game again, and you've got to basically do a harder version of every boss fight uh, where you essentially spare them. You don't kill the boss, and that unlocks the true ending. And I did it on my first ever attempt after beating the final boss. I beat all five levels in a Damn. row, hard version of every boss, and got the true ending on my first attempt. Sheesh. And it's not because I'm a god gamer. It's because the game doesn't let you beat the game until you have mastered and unlocked the code of Sifu. And it feels fucking amazing. It feels amazing. And there's really no way to get experiences like Sekiro and Sifu without a gauntlet of pain. Uh, and if you are willing to do it, you will be rewarded with one of the most like, oof, that felt mm. fucking good, feelings <laughs> in video games. Um, and yeah, if you liked Sekiro, you should go in for Sifu because it has the very same reward, satisfaction, mastery feeling. Uh, it also has one of the coolest visual art styles of the year as well. I think this oh, game yeah. looks amazing. I love the animation of combat. I think the whole game is a spectacle to watch. Um, and, you know, being the one who's doing all this cool shit just feels damn awesome. Uh, I never thought I'd beat this game <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I'd like this game. Uh, but yeah, I banged my head against the Sifu wall until I broke through the other side, and I really am glad I did, because it was one of the coolest uh, and most satisfying experiences of the year. I'm glad to hear that, because when it came out, watching reviews, I was like, this game sounds so cool. Um, it is so cool, man. But like, also, I know 
I'll probably never get through it. And you you could, but it's it's well they add they have added rough. difficulty modes now, so you can knock it down to an easier difficulty, which is good that that's there. But yeah. um, I know myself, and I know like I'm so bad at con like this type of combat. Um, so I'm glad, but I'm glad one of us got through it, and I'm not surprised it was you, obviously, because you're you're more into this sort of thing. But because it, it just it's such a unique combination of ideas and. <clears throat> executed really well and it's just it's the game that i probably have the most respect for this year that i didn't really i did play the first level um and then got distracted by something else and you know it's and i was on easy as well so it wasn't it was it almost felt like too easy where there's just like i are there any stakes here you know yeah because you do want to die because you have to be able to get good at it so anyways um yeah it it just seems like a really really cool ass thing um yeah, I think my only complaint about the game is I do think the format is super interesting. Uh, you know, the the getting older and dying. Yeah. Um, but it 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 can be a little convoluted at times, and I think it will also be the gatekeeping aspect of the game, which will mean that a lot of people won't finish this game. Yeah. Um, or even play it in the first place out of fear, uh, which is a shame because the stuff in it, which is so good and so visually cool that you want it to be accessible to everyone. Um, but, you know, like, like we said, not every game is made for everyone, and no, sometimes yeah. it's better off that way and feels more special to all, for the people that do play it. Yeah, like, I, I have no, no sadness for being the type of person that looks at this and be like, yeah, this is probably not for me, because, like, I, I like that. I like that every game is not for me, and mm-hmm. it's weird. And that's, like... That's like the recurring theme of the list for me, for the most part, is like, where's the weird shit? Here it is. Okay, this is interesting to me. Like Scorn, yeah. like Rollerdrome, like the large parts of Plague Tale. Like, these are weird things. And uh, Sifu is a, a weird bunch of ideas. And I I don't know. I There's lots of talk, especially this past year, there's lots of talk about like accessibility and and games being approachable for all players. and I just, games are, like we already said once, games are just less interesting when everyone can play them. Yeah. Games I mean, should or, be approachable to all people by choice, like when it comes to disability. Like, I yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I wanted to jump in on myself and be like, right. yeah, any, everyone should be able to, like, physically play a game, but like... Yeah, taste-wise. Taste-wise, you know, and that includes difficulty. Like, if, if you, you know, they added difficulty modes to this and that's good i think that's a good thing um but like because easy might be really hard for some people and that's cool but like the design wise and taste wise it's good that weird things like this exist and are getting made Mm -hmm. i think the easy mode is good for this game because it's more punishing than even from software stuff which is like the pinnacle of make an easy mode in it argument right right with online discourse like and it's such a beautiful cool game that i think uh, i'm happy it's got an easy mode because i think people should play it i feel like it's a game i should really just watch people someone play through yeah Yeah. it's cool like visually it looks awesome oh yeah like there were a lot of good pc mods as well where they like swapped the character model out for you know john (laughs) wick shaggy is one of the yeah like all these like that was good stuff as well (laughs) yeah yeah because the combat just looks cool and the game like the art style and all that is is awesome so yeah Good. It is like That's... out there and dreamy and abstract as it goes deeper into the game. It's cool. I do remember looking at some of the later levels and just that was like a driving force of like, I want to see this. It looks so cool. Yeah. The museum yeah. level especially is very sick. 
Nice. Great. Still no overlap. My God. Not yet. Not yet. Well, if it's time for my number four, we're going to have yeah. our first moment of overlap. Oh, oh. Hmm. What could it be? Do you want to take a guess? No, it's fine. Um, I can't remember my own list. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> what was my list? I can't either. My number four is Neon White. Oh, damn. That's high. Yeah. Uh, it's number four because I think it's probably the most fun to play game of the year for me. Gameplay mm. systems were lacking in 2022. Yeah. Um, and Neon White is just this pure distilled gameplay game. Like I said when it we is, talked yeah. about it earlier, I have fast forwarded every single second of the story. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not interested. I'm here to speed through the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so nice to have a leaderboard game. Yeah, we don't fun. get leaderboard chasing, score chasing, time trial stuff anymore. I feel like it's so infrequent. Um, this is sort of this is in a way a lot like it's like a first person track mania, first person shooter track mania in that it's time trial. It's all about finding the perfect path through the level. And my god, is it ever satisfying? And early on the first few levels I was like yes, this feels great, but like Everyone's time is so much fucking faster than mine. How are they doing this? I do love and, those moments where you get an amazing run. Yeah. That you think it's an amazing run and someone's 10 seconds faster and you're like, excuse me? Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah. And so like slowly the game trains you to like know how to r- find the paths. And, and it's yeah. really fun to replay the levels earlier and bring your new sort of like like you said about see like the matrix code you can see the paths through mm. through the levels in neon white and you'd be like oh that's how you did it okay and then my favorite part of the leaderboards was when it was like you're one second faster than me it, mm-hmm. most of the cases it was literally you because um, only like three people on my friends list had played yeah. the game so and but your times for the first five levels were you know they were respectable um they were solid mine but correlate was- to tray from the zombie ascension easter eggs yes. scores because whenever i beat his i was like all right i'm done <laughs> yeah he was my benchmark right and so you were the number one for me and i beat you on every level um yeah. which in some cases by in some levels by a good amount because i felt like oh that was a cheeky little run mm. um and it's very satisfying to do that and spend like sometimes quite a while really really mastering it and the best levels are the ones that are like 20 to 25 seconds or less sub 20 sub 30 second levels are the best ones the ones that run a little long eh. but the ones that you're just like that was 15 seconds let's get it to 14.8 seconds and shaving off that tiny tiny little amount of time is where it gets so satisfying to me because it is like those are the parts where it becomes a bit of a driving game as well, where it's like your physical movement through the mm. corners matters because an ideal driving line is very specific because it's actually the straightest line through it. And just doing little things like that of just like, I'm taking this corner at a wider angle, thus spending less time moving through the level yeah. shaves off one one hundredth of a second. And you're like, fuck, it's- okay, just stack that up three times and you get, uh, yeah, you know, it's fun yeah. to emulate the speedrunning science without having yes. to like sign up to a Discord and pick a game, yeah. and not not to be rude, but like arbitrarily just set yourself like a, I'm gonna beat this game really fast because I want to be part of this community. 
it's fun to just have that experience put into a fresh game because yes. I would probably never do it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that is sort of infrequent, but the yeah, chasing the speedrunning feel is a is mm-hmm. something that I wish more games would do because it's so fun to do. The game is good physics as well. It feels good oh, to yeah, glide yeah. around. Did yeah. you ever um do you ever see back in the day like the CSGO surfing videos? Yeah, like the bunny hop stuff. Yeah, that... there was there was a lot of like gliding around in those videos. Like very it had to be very clean yeah. curves. It's and like a lot of neon white. Shit. Yeah, a lot of yeah. neon white reminds me of that. Yes, these smooth like you're the me- yes something about the mouse like smooth mouse like turning ninety degrees, but you're floating through the air and also yeah. moving at hundred miles an hour. Yes, yeah, yeah. That might be part of it as well, because it, it does feel like high-end Titanfall movement at times mm-hmm. uh, with all the bouncing and the... Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a great combination of shooting, movement, optimal s- paths. And, and it does that great thing where that not a lot of games do, but the special ones are good at it, where it makes you sort of feel like you're cheating and breaking the yeah. game and being like, I'm not supposed to go this way, right? Um, but you are. Everything is valid, basically. Um, the only disappointment I have really is the uh, the worldwide leaderboards are all like the top ten or twenty are all uh, hack, hacked, which is disappointing. yeah, makes sense. But um, you know, there was one there was one level where I got like two hundred and thirtieth in the world, That's and I was like, yeah. "Fuck yeah, dude, that was satisfying." And it took me like I spent like an hour on it, you know, and it's just like that's just it's just. It's just such a good, like, raw gameplay, satisfying, fun thing to do. Yeah. And it's uh, that you don't get it. I don't get it very often. It, it, it really does remind me most of something like Trackmania, which I have enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot. Of just, like, I want to just shave time, shave time, shave time. Let's go. Yeah. The and, first time uh, yeah. you get a ruby medal is very, like, oh, my God, there's a medal above diamond. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's been a good time. I don't think I beat it. I think I'm in the last chunk of levels, which I... I won't say are my favorite of the lot mm-hmm. um it's an interesting mechanic that the last sort of book card gun thing is but um not my most favorite of the lot but that's fine the the um the chunk before it where you have the rocket launcher grapple thing is very good yeah that's and, what i just got uh, to yeah it's uh it's very fun it's a little less fun in the back half because i don't have a really good time to chase i'm just sort of handily getting to the top so hopefully yeah. You can break my times, and then I can go back and break yours one more time and oh, feel it? content. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, even if that doesn't happen, that's okay, because uh, the sort of seven or eight levels up to that point were super satisfying. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. It's yeah. a big game. It just sort of keeps game, going. Yeah. yeah. In the good way, though. In the, not in like the exhausting God of War way, <laughs> or some of the other games on this list, maybe. Uh, yeah. Feature content rich in a satisfying way. So there you go. Remember when I said that uh, my number five and my number four went to war? Oh. My number four is God of War. Oh. (laughs) Ragnarok. Yes. Yeah. So again, (laughs) uh, we almost put it in the exact same place very closely. And even yeah. during this talk, I put it down to number five. Because, I don't know, it's just... It and Sifu are very, very close to me. Mm. Because they are my two favorite combat systems of the year. Um, but God of War Ragnarok does just 
Trump Sifu uh, for the fun that I had with the combat system. Uh, again, we're not going to go too deep into it, uh, but the too long didn't listen to the two hour chat is that I had an absolutely amazing time with fighting stuff in God of War yeah. Ragnarok. I absolutely loved the combat system. I loved the increased enemy variety. I loved all the boss fights and just the way the combat felt. Um, I also really enjoyed a lot of the character moments and story moments. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the weaknesses are pretty similar to Jameson. I did not like the Ragnarok story. I mostly didn't understand what was going on or what characters were trying to do, specifically Atreus. Um, not that I disliked Atreus's character. Uh, I just didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't really understand what Odin was doing. And when everything wrapped up, I just was like, what was the point of all of that? And I went in really caring about the story of Ragnarok because I really enjoyed the story of 2018. Uh, so that was a big disappointment for me. And I also didn't really care for the like side activities and puzzle stuff in Ragnarok. And there was a lot of it. Yeah. So when you bring everything together, I think we said in the review that a game is a sum of its parts. Uh, I just didn't like quite a few substantial and important parts of God of War Ragnarok. Even though I absolutely had a blast stabbing, slashing and burning stuff in that game. Mm. Um, you know, the top 10 list is not an objective list. It's the games that we had the most fun with, at least it is for me. And that's why it trumped Sifu, even though overall Sifu is a cooler and more put together product. Uh, I just had a bit of a better time stabbing and enjoying the spectacle of God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. I uh, wish it was a little higher, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. I don't think it stung me as much as it stung you, but I was also disappointed by big chunks of Ragnarok. It just didn't work yeah. for me. Yeah. But yeah, longer, longer chat down below if you want it. Like a two and a half hour chat. Yeah, a very long chat. Um, yeah. All right, my number three, I guess. God, we're zooming. Yeah, this is where things get interesting. Number three is not a small video game, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. which, which big game is it, though? Mm -hmm. I, I will have the same question for you when it comes time for my number three. Yeah, I'm fascinated yeah. about this top three for us, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. My number three is Elden Ring. Interesting. Okay. My number three is Elden Ring as well. Wow. Okay. It's number yeah. three. Yeah. It's number okay. three. I, yeah, I, I would have thought it would have been number two. I know. I, I, I wish it was number two. I knew it wasn't going to be your number one, but I thought might have been number two. I don't know. It, like I said, it right. was almost it's a tie. It yeah, was almost yeah. a tie, but it, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. It's your turn. I think it sounds right because you definitely had issues with it, and I, I did too. But, um, and again, we talked for a long time about Elden Ring yeah. uh, in our big roundup. But um, first of all, it's cool to get a legitimate, undeniable, like, generation-defining game release. Mm -hmm. They're very infrequent. In my mind, this could be wrong, but in my mind, the three, maybe four, are like Skyrim, GTA V, The Witcher 3, and this game, right? Like, in terms yeah. of just, like, cultural impact. I think people impact. would put Breath of the Wild up there as well, but... Yeah, Breath of... Yeah, yeah, but That's I think... That's debatable. <laughs> I think it was also hampered by, like, I don't know, anyways. But in terms of, like, the sheer scope of 
interest from all walks of people that play games and don't yep. play games, uh, the impact it had on everyone for such a long period of time, and then hopefully the impact it has on games going forward. It's harder to judge that when it's so fresh, of course, but you know, you look at Skyrim and The Witcher and GTA and, and maybe Breath of the Wild, but definitely Skyrim and The Witcher, and you're like, these games majorly have shifted the way AAA <laughs> games are are made or, or yeah. what they are focused on. And it was cool to have something so monumental like that release. And, you know, like, it became such a meme at a certain point of, like, where's Elden Ring? What's Elden Ring? You know, the hype for it. And it delivered. And it la- you know, oh, yeah. it, 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 they did it. And that's awesome. Um, I was disappointed, as we discussed, I was disappointed by how extremely Dark Souls it is. Um, hmm. In that it is, in so many ways, just Dark Souls 4, 5, and 6, and 7, probably all come. But you know what I mean? In terms of just like the the HUD, the structure, the storytelling, yeah. the the interface, the combat, the controls, all these things. Like it's it's extremely one of those games. And I yeah, that is one of the reasons it's at three. Is like I I kind of hoped for like. I don't know. I, I I had ideas in my head about like an open world FromSoft game after Sekiro and like all the cool movement in Sekiro and yes, yeah. You know, it, it is, and then you're 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 back and you're just walking slowly, clunkily with a big ass sword like every Dark Souls game, and you know, so I, that still lingers for me. Um, and then of course there's just many frustrations that are inherent to FromSoft games. Um, and the last 20 hours I did not have a good time with, but the, the game benefits from being out in February and almost a year has passed and I, you know, can settle down and be like, okay, I've digested the Elden Ring experience, uh, which was 100 hours to play through and then another 75 hours with for content stuff. So it's like, it's a lot of that video game. And, uh, you know, you, I look back on it now, you're like, yeah, okay, this was pretty fucking good. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, love it i didn't have i don't think the gameplay is like the most fun thing in the world but like the journey of elden ring is one mm-hmm. of the books there are yeah. so many crazy moments reveals pieces of landscape art and framing and uh these more than anything though the the thing that stands out is is the level design is just oh yeah like on a level that is so beyond any other open world game. It's a, it just it's a magnum opus product when it comes it to is, the, yeah. the world design. The Lands Between is the greatest open world map ever made, in my opinion, from an art style perspective, at least. Well, and I think from a like layout as well, like just just the the amount that is crammed in there and the layering of it, you know, and the underground yeah. stuff and. The what, are the what are the legacy dungeon areas which feel like these great classic you know big sprawling yeah. linear environments and and it does feel like the culmination of the last ten years of twelve years of the FromSoft journey which it's yeah it's like an homage to their own stuff yeah and it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that it, it has really only been just a bit more than a decade yeah um, they move like Demon Souls was two thousand nine. God, they yeah, they really move. Dark Souls, which was the one that really started it, was 2011, and a decade later, 
they've put out like the one of the biggest best selling games of all time, you know, of the year, best reviewed game of the year. Yeah, they really uh, figured it out, honestly. It's it's shocking. It's shocking. It's I don't like, think any studio... If you just make studio... a 20 hour, 15 to 20 hour really good game... Yeah. That's mostly linear, but has a few options in the way you can do things. This is before Elder Ring I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, you can get games done a lot quicker. And, you know, if you make more games, you could probably make more money and increase your reputation and fan base by doing that and become really revered in the industry instead of making one mediocre open world rpg every nine years yeah anyway sorry there's a bit of a podcast segue there um but like they that's also the, like they haven't let up with their game releases no, like the, sakura Christ. came out in 2019 like yeah. it's crazy um but it does feel like that sort of same with the the witcher where it's like here is this bunch of weirdos in the late 2000s making this weird ass impenetrable game basically with the Witcher 1 and Dark Soul or Demon Souls. And then the second game comes out and it's like starts to catch on extremely the case with Dark Souls. And then, you know, within under a decade, these companies have like transformed into like the biggest and most revered company re- game releases ever. And it's just wild to see the the, the journey mm-hmm. of FromSoft. And uh, yeah, that I feel like that, I don't know, there's... There's so much to say, and but also like we've said it all, and it, it, yeah. it's it's a hell of a thing, that's for sure. And there are many things that I wish stood out more, and I wish I had been forced to sort of mix up my broken ass gameplay style more. And but whatever, like there are so many other moments that are just like, wow, look at this shit, holy crap, what a mm-hmm. like the forty hour long sort of underground journey that i went on and like it kept me up till 3 a.m a couple of nights which most games do not ever do because i'm very schedule oriented boy and yeah it's abnormal to have that and uh yeah also another one with an amazing soundtrack um oh yeah i will hand it over to you the from software expert and big boy fan that you are yeah um i'm sad where this game is on my list um i wish it was higher and maybe it will go higher with time yeah and there's still dlc as well you know yeah but you really only get one first playthrough of elden ring and exploring the lands between was one of my favorite gaming memories not only of the year but maybe of all time Mm -hmm. it was my favorite world to explore ever and I do think the first 20 hours of this game are my number one of 2022. Mm. Uh, but the game as in its entirety is not, unfortunately. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I was a massive fan of Sekiro. And I was thinking that was like the beginning of From Software's combat systems moving upwards and forwards. Yeah. And yeah, it just felt like a step backwards. Uh, I, I mean, jumping is something new for Dark Souls, I guess. It's true. It was fun to, jumping attacks were fun. The horse can jump twice. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And when you use two <laughs> weapons, you do like special attacks, which I enjoy. That was my first playthrough was weapon, not weapon mm. arts. It was cool something when you use uh, two yeah. of the same Power class. stancing. Power stancing. That's what I got. Yeah. That's what I did for my first run. Uh, again, exploration and discovery is one of my favorite parts in all of video games. Um, it's probably why The Outer Wilds is still my favorite game of all time from a mm-hmm. single-player perspective. 
Uh, and Elden Ring is one of the best games in the industry for taking you on a like Lord of the Rings scale adventure. Mm-hmm. And if you've somehow not played the game and you haven't seen any of the game and you go in blind, it is one of the most bewildering and awe-inspiring journeys and one of the most content-rich experiences you can get for $60. The amount of stuff in that game <laughs> to the production quality that they've done it is fucking ridiculous in a pandemic as well. Maybe my favorite moment of the year was when you posted the map like after your first yeah. stream and we were both, it was just like, Ex- We were all in me? Limgrave. Excuse for, me? For 15 hours. We're like, oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, um, I had, I had some issues with this game. Um, I didn't like uh the boss fights specifically mm-hmm. um not all of them uh but a lot of the bosses i found relied on the delayed attack mechanic which required <laughs> precise memorization of timing which kind of i think was a counter for dodging from dark souls 3 but i i liked that dodging was powerful in dark souls 3 because it made me feel like i was winning because i was good at the game and i'd learned dark souls and i understand they want to counter that but that, I don't know, that's what Sekiro felt like it was designed for, to counter Dark Souls players. So it felt annoying to play Elden Ring and feel like I was countered again. And I just had to memorize these annoying wind-up attacks, which I pre-dodged because I can see he's going to fucking swing. But I just didn't know the f- micro-frame second and I got hit. And I just found the inherent attack design of enemies frustrating and annoying. Uh, I didn't like the incessant combos and explosions from enemies. Sometimes I would be standing back and just watching an enemy. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, am I going to play this game or am I just watching? Like, it felt like the boss was the main character and I'm just some dweeb who's like walked in lost. I'm an NPC. Yeah. And yeah, I just found a lot of this game grating and irritating in its design. And I felt fundamentally punished for not using the summon system, oh, yeah. which I don't like. Um... I think summoning real people is quite a unique and fun experience. It's a social experience to beat mm-hmm. a boss with another human being. But the idea of summoning NPCs in Dark Souls does not interest me. I think it's just lame to have someone else hit and aggro an enemy and then you just stab them in the back until they die. Yeah. I like learning a boss's attack patterns and triumphing and getting that sense of reward. Um, and, but because I missed that and ignored that, and I ignored magic and shields, and <laughs> played it like a sicko. <laughs> yeah, I played I played the game like a sicko, and I felt yeah. very punished for it. Which oh, might be yeah. a stupid complaint to say you made the game harder for yourself, and it was harder, lol. But that's how I played all the other games, and they just felt more designed for my playstyle than this game did. Yeah. And I think I am part of the problem in my experience of Elden Ring. I was stubborn, and I wanted to play the game the way that I played Dark Souls. And I think if I had changed that and used summons and shields, I think I would have had more fun with Elden Ring and it would be my number one of the year. And I can't take that back. Should I be punished for playing the game how I want to play it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, because I I will say, like, I played it the way I would think they designed, right? Where I was using everything I had, aka summons. And that and it made the game too easy, honestly, because yeah, we did talk about balance a lot in our review. Yeah, I think. yeah. So I think you know the great flaw probably of Elden Ring is it is sort of a mess. The balance in is hard of, to get right in terms of balance. Yeah, because it's so massive. There's so much in it. 
And there's no scaling either, so you just have to go to the right boss at the right time to get that Goldilocks zone of a perfect boss fight. Yeah. Sometimes the bosses are too hard, and then you leave, you walk away, and then you come back and it's too easy. And yeah, I think, again, exploring the lands between was incredible. An amazing yeah. journey and adventure, and I will never forget it. Uh, like I said, when you were talking, my favorite world to discover, my favorite in-game map, amazing art design, amazing variety in enemy and bosses, maybe too many repeated boss fights, but again, yeah. let's stick to the positives. It's just the best game of the year, chat. Exactly. But yeah, I just, um, I'm a big From Software fan, big Dark Souls fan, and I do think this should be my number one. Um, but overall, I'm really happy this game exists. I like the direction they're going in. From Software, just keep moving, baby. There will be DLCs, there'll be Elden Ring 2 inevitably. And I cannot wait for Elden Ring 2, and I will not be stubborn next time for Elden Ring 2. I will use all the stuff in the game like a proper RPG and not try to be a get good boy. Because I hope I they don't like, make an Elden Ring too. I hope they, they just like absolutely will. they. I hope they just like shift and keep doing like these random shifts for every release. I I, I think they do backwards and forwards, right? To and fro with like yeah. Bloodborne, Dark Souls two. That was what I mean is I think out, but... more than anything, Elden Ring feels like the finale to the soul. Sold so well. To, I know, I know. I mean, look, business wise, it's a completely different discussion. But in yeah. terms of it it really did feel like a finale to the blood or the what the souls the souls born whatever yeah, that I know you're journey it did, yeah and I would be sad if they just made an L well not sad but you know what I mean I I would love if they just be like it's armored core and then they do like here's another fucking weird ass thing and then they go to this direction and they just hey, keep I'm, doing I'm weird shit you know but yeah I mean it was one of the like biggest games of all time so yeah or yeah maybe not sales I mean it sold insane but not anyways. They yeah, will I, um, probably make another Elden Ring. Yes. They will probably make Elden Ring too. I mean, they but, made four Dark Souls at this point, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. It would be cool, yeah. though, if they were just like, we're done with the Souls series. We're never making anything like it ever again. Goodbye. <laughs> I the, want you know, Souls games. I know you do. Them. I know, I know. I do want Souls games. On Bloodborne 2 as well, and Sekiro 2. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah we did a two-hour chat on it. Um, incredible art, incredible locations. And, you know, I, I enjoyed a lar large portion of the game because the boss fights, if you would take up your playtime, fighting in a boss would be, a boss arena would probably be like 30% or something, maybe even mm -hmm. less. Uh, so a large percentage of my time uh, riding around on my horse, exploring, fighting ads uh, was an amazing experience. But it was just a shame that I didn't connect with the boss fights, which is a big part of the game and one of my favorite part of the series in general. And yeah, and the combat for me just felt like a bit of a step back and the game falters under its own weight a little bit in the last chunk. Yeah, just can't, big, can't, can't quite keep up the honeymoon experience. You start to see between the lines, you, you start to see the oh, rules. Yeah. You can tell if it's like a hero's grave from the distance or if it's start a catacomb. playing the same tricks on you way too many times. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe that was COVID related, but regardless, uh, it's an amazing accomplishment and I had a great time with it. Uh, yeah, my experience mm -hmm. was just a little tarnished. Hmm. <clears throat> wow. So it's my number three. Uh, I wish I had the same revelatory experience that some people had where it was the best game they ever played. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it just, it unfortunately wasn't. It was just a very damn good open world game. Yeah, yeah. Which is still good. Well, and it's it's so different from every other open world game as well. Um, yeah. In terms of structure and all these, so many ways, you know, it's so. mostly better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. Yeah. Anyways. 
number two. Number two. Hmm. I I'm missing a game for you actually. Number two. Yeah, I mean, you know what one of them is, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, hmm, well, my number two is a big fucking open world video game ah. uh, called Horizon Forbidden West. That is my number two as well. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I'm honestly surprised <laughs> that it's your number two. It's my number two. I thought at best it was going to be like seven or something, mm-hmm. or not even on the list, but I... Well, remember when we talked about the whole like recency bias of being stung by a game and it fading over time? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I was quite surprised that Horizon was number two for me as well. But it is, again, it's your turn first. Okay. Well, I'll just say this. I'm happy that it's high on your list. It took a bit just... of contemplation, but then I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Forbidden West, uh, it was pretty much at the very top of the list the entire year. It was, yeah. So anyways, for me, um, I'm going to keep it positive because we, we talked a lot about Horizon this year. We talked about it for like 30 minutes in fucking the God of War chat. And then we did like a two and a half <laughs> yeah. hour chat about it. So yeah. if you want like a, an extremely deep discussion of that game listen to both of those chats because there you know there's a lot of feelings about it and and you know some of those will come up again here but i'm going to try and focus on all the the reasons why it's number two yeah um first of all it's got the unique hard to put your finger on thing for me that is just i love being in that world and that is a combination of music, which is amazing, of visuals, which are the best uh, I've ever seen. And it's the only next-gen looking game yet. Um, but it's also like this quiet, sort of lonely vibe that I love in a game. And it, it reminds me a lot of like The Witcher 3, where it's just, you've got these visuals, you've got these the music playing, and you're just getting these certain moments of pleasure from just walking to yeah. to a, to the next story thing um i was also maybe the oh, reason shit i just realized what your number one is <laughs> sorry 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 i just figured uh, it out <laughs> uh you figured Holy it out shit. okay uh-huh um i think maybe the thing that i liked most about this game was how much it reminded me of mass effect 2 um, oh, okay. Because this is a game where you have a home base that mm-hmm. you return to constantly to talk to your squad, and you go through fucking huge amounts of dialogue with them. Yeah. And it's all good. Uh, like the writing is solid. The character work is. The character work in this game is actually really good. That's the other part of it is like the main cast, you sort of gather a bunch of allies through the the long journey of the game and build your relationship with them up. There are actually even a few loyalty missions basically that you go on that are like Kotalo needs to do this thing for his arm. And it's like, this is a mass effect two loyalty mission. What the fuck? Yeah, um, and it, I, I, as an aside, I would love for them with three to expand on that. And like, let me select like let me bring different combos of characters out on missions because they all have the uh the um bluetooth headset now 
which lets yeah. them see everything. And anyways, that's uh, a hope for the future is just let's make it even more Mass Effect-y in that sense. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Main story stuff, as we've discussed, not great. Um, I was definitely not super bothered by it, uh, but I also just sort of wrote it off about halfway through, which is a major negative for Horizon, but um, again, we got into it in many other spots. Um, I can't believe how fucking gigantic the world is, the map yeah. is, to a fault, for sure. But also every square inch of it looks so unbelievable and is so filled with stuff. Uh, it just sort of boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the present day story stuff is actually way better in this game than it was in the first game with the tribes and maybe not the... It, yeah. it, they, they do a way better job of like fleshing out the modern day world and the characters and the factions and all that than they did in the Definitely, first game. Yeah. And uh, I loved all that stuff because as as cool as the sci-fi history and future stuff is, like the main present day world in that game is still also really interesting. And the way it, uh, yeah. the way they like the way their cultures form from bits and pieces of information from basically our current modern day 20, 2020, 2100 era uh, is fascinating. Like the whole the whole faction that's like worships this museum. Uh, that is just like a military propaganda museum, basically. Yeah. It's just, it's so bizarre. Um, Love the, that stuff. Yeah, the the culture from, that seemed to have sailed over from basically like China or Japan or whatever that are like, we worship tech billionaires. And it's like, God, ooh, don't, don't do that. Um, that's not good. Um, there's a lot of good, like, weird ideas uh, with the modern-day factions and, and how they are sort of interpreting um, the past. Yeah, that, that stuff is my favorite stuff in the game. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's one of... I just I can't get over it, man. It's, like, one of my favorite sci-fi concepts ever out of all media. It's just, like, such a fun and weird idea seeing modern, basically futuristic humans take on a caveman perspective of futuristic technology and cleverly decide how different people would interpret it and base yeah. religions around it. And it all, like, honestly, like, echoes the, our own past, but in a completely oh, yeah. different context. And it's just brilliant, man. I just absolutely love it. And this game, Forbidden West, does it more so than Horizon Zero Dawn did. Totally, yeah. And, like, some of it is sort of goofy, but in a way yeah. that is believable because people are kind of stupid and get into weird shit right like when we see that more and more with every year where it's just like you guys are and you look back on history and you're like you did you worship huh like and you see that pentamine like you see some of the stuff going back then and it seems goofy silly yeah yeah and and yeah so they do they do a great job uh with that stuff here and um and there's just like a lot of great moments and missions um this game has a standout like one of the best main mission journeys i probably since like the bloody baron quest line in the mm-hmm. witcher 3 which is going to vegas i think is just like a yeah. fucking amazing so cool. sort of two hour quest that you go on and and the way that it, it like integrates the past 
history of Vegas and it sort of that mirrors the modern story and then there's these side characters that show up and the the they build like this town over the course of the game uh, that stuff is so good and there's there's a lot of little things that the game does with open world that not a lot of games do anymore that I just love where it's stuff like the the world slowly evolving based on what's happening in the story like like the town forming in Vegas on the Vegas Strip is is just a cool thing that it doesn't point it out to you it doesn't make a big deal of it but it just sort of happens as you play through the game and it happens mm. in a few other spots the way plain song changes over the course of the game yeah uh, that stuff I just I love little things like that and mm. uh, and I love also just like their obsessive attention to making sure all the dialogue sequencing is always accounting for everything yeah. no matter what order you're doing it in it's a small thing but like it goes a long ways for me um the, and then of course like the combat side the combat's fucking awesome yeah. um i i really like the horizon combat it was great in the first game and it's it's more or less as good here there are a few little changes that i dislike um, mainly with like the dodging that was sort of frustrating but once you get used to it you get used to it yeah. um the the fun of like uncovering the new machine enemies is still amazing there's still like this great sense of awe to finding the new ones the spinosaurus oh, yeah. dude and you the see giant... him in the distance for the first time it's like what yeah. the hell is that thing the tremor tusk and all that is those oh, are all God, great yeah. fighting all of them it's such a it's just so fun to get in a fight in that game yeah and uh and then they also expanded like the hunting aspect of it in a really really smart way mm-hmm. um you know maybe a little grindy at times if you're trying to fully upgrade your the highest end gear but having to actually like go out and hunt a creature to get a part from it is a uh, is a great addition from the first game and i yeah it's smart i hope they continue to expand the light sort of monster hunter ish things in there because they should uh it's they they there's they they could like triple down on that stuff I think in some really cool ways. Um, Did I and, dream it or mm, are they making a multiplayer thing or am I thinking that's the Last of Us confirmed? Yes, they are oh, making damn. a co-op multiplayer thing in the Horizon universe, and I hmm. I maintain that that should be a Monster Hunter style game because the aesthetics, the combat, the hunting, yeah, is such and the and doing it with co-op is such like that's. On paper, that just seems like a dream project, honestly. It does, yeah. Um, so it was cool to see them start to get into that stuff here. I feel like even if it's in its most rudimentary form of, like, you just hunt monsters, yeah. m- robots with your friends, and that's it, I'd be like, that? I'm kind of in. <laughs> I would yeah, play that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, and then, the, you know, there's certainly problems. Like, the side content has... Some of the side content is improved. The um, what are the, what are the dungeons? The um, dungeon? The, oh, like, the mechanics. The cauldrons. Those are all a lot better and and are like integrated into the world in some really cool yeah. ways. Um, the side quests. Compa- yeah, we shouldn't be comparing them, but I I appreciate having Forbidden West. Every single returning side activities from the Tornecks, like you said, the yeah. cauldrons. They've all been evolved and improved on. And in God of War Ragnarok, that didn't really feel the same. We were still doing the same throw and mm-hmm. axe at pots and 
hit three bells and light three torches. Yeah, that's actually a good... I'm glad you pointed that out because I hadn't really thought about that. But yes, that was like every time I came across, oh, it's this again from the first game, it was surprising to see how it had changed. Yeah. Um, The relic ruins later on when they're like, we changed it by adding the bad box puzzles. Not a good improvement, but... Yeah. Many of the other areas definitely improved. The tall necks are way better. The cauldrons are oh, way yeah. better. Um, that stuff is super cool. Um, the climbing is a big step back, despite it being much more free. It's a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, it just doesn't um, really work. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward to I look forward to doing a new game plus of that game. Hopefully, when ideally when it comes out on the PC, uh, because you can just fly. Uh, you can get the bird really early in that game, in New Game Plus, mm. and being able to just fly around that world uh, will be cool. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely a little, you know, a little mixed on some aspects of it, but overall, it um, it was just a very enjoyable experience. And to not get too personal here, but it came out at a time where I was extremely not happy, and it was the only mm. thing that made me quite happy for, like, Aww. two and a half full weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are important to acknowledge. So, yeah, it's, I just love being, like, just walking around in that game. It's such a pleasure. And I'm feeling I that again, like, Horizon, yeah. visiting The Witcher 3 again. It's just like, man, this sort of vibe, this sort of open world feeling is still very infrequent. Mm-hmm. in games and uh horizon forbidden west is probably the most a game has reminded me of the witcher 3 since the witcher 3 which is not an insignificant achievement hmm. um in terms of just like being in the world and and exploring it and and just never wanting it to end yeah and it kind of at times felt like it was never going to end <laughs> but um yeah you know it was like 93 hours long which is fucking crazy mm-hmm. um probably could have benefited from some trimming that's for sure but uh yeah Horizon Forbidden West uh tragically came out a week before Elden Ring and was forgotten by everyone just yeah. like the first game and it's a shame because it's got there is so much like so much good stuff there there's so much passion behind it all and so much artistry and it's just sort of, but it also is like old. And as we said, I wish it had been a huge release so that people could have really looked at it and Elden Ring and cause they're like a fantastic comparison of games oh, yeah. in, in the same way, the first horizon and breath of the wild were so, but yeah, it sort of uh, got overshadowed by the big, fire giant behemoth of Elden yeah. Ring. But, I feel like uh, even for like game of the year stuff, it's like no one played this game. No one played it, yeah. yeah. Even though I'm sure it sold quite well. Um, yeah. And I'm really ex- looking forward to that DLC in a couple months. Oh, yeah. Especially because they've ditched the PS4 for it, so hopefully they can oh, baby. do some shit with the Horus unit for it. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I continue to feel very strongly about Horizon and... Yeah that series and i look forward to it uh continuing t- to like expand a multiplayer game is exciting the vr thing is cool um i have very specific hopes for horizon 3 and most of those are the same things i hoped after the first game <laughs> which is let's 
change up the formula of the open world a bit, please, for the third game. But I'm not holding my breath. You know, yeah, that's 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 many years away as well. So I won't. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll worry about that later. So that's it. That's yeah. all my my things I have to say about Horizon. Over yeah. to you. Um. Yeah, we kind of brought it up earlier, but um, I was a little sour. Yeah. On Forbidden West when we did our review talk because I cared more about the world and story of Horizon than any other game ever. Um, I'm a huge mega fan of Zero Dawn, specifically its sci-fi world writing. And uh, there was actually some amazing stuff in the middle portion of Forbidden West, some crazy, wild, creative stuff. Oh, yeah. And they just didn't live up to the ideas they set up. Yeah. Um, And I think they really fumbled a lot of potential. And I found it weird how they just, like, deleted a whole thing and retconned yeah. it. Well, not retconned it, but they just replaced it with, here's the third game's premise. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was really bummed by that. And I also was saddened by some of the ubification of Forbidden West. This is before Ragnarok. And I was like, oh, these Sony open world games going to homogenize into this formula. And we will save that maybe for another chat another day. Or we've already talked about it. I can't even remember at this point. But I think I brought up when you were talking about Ragnarok um, in our main review and today, I was kind of hinting at something when I was Mm. like, you know, time might heal some wounds. Yeah. Because Forbidden West was a long time ago now. Yeah, almost a year. I I finished it in March. It Mm. it took me a long time to get through it because I was playing it side by side. Almost daily with Elden Ring, and that was a beautiful experience. Oh my god, playing those two February like, in and March were so awesome, man. God, they were Fuck. good. Um, but yeah, those wounds have healed because overall, I'm complaining about the end cutscene of the game and much, optional yeah. activities which you can walk away from. And like I just said with Jameson, the activities that come back from the first game are all way improved. Mm. It's more just like the new question mark filler stuff, which was a bunch of bullshit. Mm. The, the horse racing and the combat arena with your stick. Fucking racing. Oh, yeah, they were all shit and stupid, and it made it kind of tarnished like the cleanseness, the altogether yeah. package of the first game. Uh, but whatever, grow up, get over it, Joe. Yeah, so much of this game was like a religious experience at times. It yeah. was like the best produced video game of all time, in my opinion. Uh, I've never seen visuals like this. Uh, you know, visuals is a broad term. It's like art direction, color, uh, world design, animation of these fucking giant robots in front of me. Visuals is like, uh, it's a lot of parts that all come together. And I think the people at Gorilla are the best in the world when it comes to the pure production and spectacle of video games. There is nothing this year or any other year that made my jaw drop anything like some of the big fights in Forbidden West. This game is just unbelievable to look at at times. Yeah. And not only that, but it plays really well. Uh, It's not my favorite combat system of the entire year. Uh, Again, I kind of have like a similar complaint with the Horizon series that I did with God of War 2018, which I find, which is that I find dodging a little bit weird and hitbox is weird. And I can never tell if Aloy has iframes, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this game is awe-inspiring from every production standpoint. Uh, and it has the world, the characters, and the combat, and the gameplay to match and live up to all of that as well. There is some, you know, parts I didn't enjoy. 
but I have something called the horizon bias, which is like Jameson. I just love being in this game, in this yeah. world. Uh, and yeah, there's certain aspects, even if I didn't like, kind of similar to Ragnarok, if I didn't like the finality of the overarching individual Aloy journey, that's not like the whole thing when it comes to a narrative in a game. Mm -hmm. There's characters, there's locations, there's world design, and all of that stuff plays into uh, an overall narrative lore story thing. And there's so many aspects of Horizon which are, again, some of the best in the entire business. Uh, and for me, it's the world. It, they did just such an amazing job of expanding the world in ways that I really cared about seeing. Yeah. Uh, the city design, uh, the extra tribes, uh, and all these different interpretations of, like we just said, how people would interpret the futuristic te technology in their primitive whatever ways. Uh, there's so much amazing stuff in this game, and I just still, to this day, love Horizon's world more than any other game world out there. That's why I was so sour in my review, because I, this game is my, like, my darling. This mm -hmm. franchise is my baby. And they didn't do certain aspects as good as I wanted, and I sulked about it. And I was sad and mad, all right? Uh, but when the dust settled, uh, I blew away the dust and the anger as it subsided, and I looked and remembered some of the best parts of Forbidden West and just remembered my love for Horizon. I realized that this was one of the best games I played in the entire year, and it was number three mm. below Elden Ring, and I changed it, and I put it above Elden Ring. Wow. And I didn't think that was going to happen, and it took no, a lot of neither. thinking. Wow. But there you go. I respect it, and it makes me happy to hear that, because it's been a very... I don't know, I feel like it's been a very negative Horizon year, especially from your side. Uh, yeah, I was, and... I was stung. You know, Expectations oh, yeah, yeah. are a dangerous thing. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like, that's 100% how I am still feeling about God of War. So it's, yeah. that's, you know, I, I am hurt you by might, that yeah. story being such a mess. But I, it, 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 it heals me to hear that you liked Horizon <laughs> that much. It's like, okay, I good. I loved <sighs> Horizon, dude. Oh, thank God. Okay, all, all it feels better in the world now, honestly. <laughs> you know, I had, I had a, a rough three to four hours at the end where i was like oh yeah. my god they're ruining it they're ruining it i've been playing this fucking story since 2017 yeah yeah and they're ruining it and it yeah i took it very personally it was like yeah. when game of thrones dropped the bucket and it's like well shit i love this yeah. thing yeah uh but you know you grow up and you get over it yeah, and you exactly. remember it's a video game and not a book and playing it and looking at it is incredible yeah and also, fuck everyone else for ignoring Horizon this year. You're all idiots. Yeah, yeah, you are. We said that about Horizon in 2017 as well. Yeah. I think the quote was like, fuck Zelda. I think you said, fuck Zelda. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't quite say it about Elden Ring, unfortunately. Mm. I'll say about Breath of the Wild, who cares? I, I am surprised it is above Elden Ring. But, yeah, me uh, too. I understand, I understand. Yeah, it wasn't I, I, to begin. I really, like, to give an idea of how, like, negatively I had interpreted, or how much I had interpreted your negativity as, like, all-encompassing all for her, I, like, I thought it was going to be, like, seven or not even on the list. <laughs> I was pissed, man, when I finished that game. I was I pissed. And trust me, I, that's how I am with God of War right now, where I'm, that's why I'm like, is it even number five? Like, put it even lower, because I'm so yeah. fucking annoyed. But, um, yeah, but you like know. I, yeah, like I said, it did go to war with Elden Ring. It was three, then two, then three, then two. So Elden Ring and Horizon are very, very close for me. Very mm. close. Yeah, that's, but, fair. Uh, that's fair. That's where it ended. That's where it landed. 
Cool. And, you know, maybe a second playthrough of Elden Ring will move it up a bit, but for now, I'm happy where things are. Nice. Good. Awesome. What a surprise. Cool. Talking of surprises. Did not think our three and two were going to line up, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And I know our number ones have not lined up, which is always fun. I can't fun. believe this game is your number one. <laughs> well, I'm going to fucking tell you. Um, it is crazy. a little... Parts of it are a little surprising, though. Um, all right. Number one. Game yeah. of the year 2022. Tunic. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, knew it was going to be wow. on here, but... Mm. Yeah. Hey, um, all like right. Indie love. Tunic. Okay. First of all, this is going to be a full discussion of Tunic things, so uh, sorry, but I'm not talking around things. Damn. Okay, we have to do <clears throat> the unfortunate slice, 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 pick it up, put something off to the side uh, before we talk about the good things in Tunic. Um, <laughs> I did not oh. enjoy playing Tunic. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I did not enjoy the combat in Tunic. <laughs> yeah. I think it's not it's a particular. <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly good. Um, what what was like? What is this like a Zelda light? I didn't enjoy playing my game of the year. Okay, yeah. So like the combat is. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't find it fun. I don't think it's particularly good. Okay. It also is only like. Seven or eight hours of the game for me. And then there was like sure. another 25 hours where the combat isn't a thing. Basically, and yeah. so, yeah. Depending on how you go with your Depending. decision. Right. And that's, that's, you know, so that's not a small caveat. Like I said, every game on this list has caveats and it's, um, speaks to the year as a whole where it's like, I, didn't love the whole package of anything. I I probably liked the whole package of Horizon the most of mm. any game this year, but it was also there were enough issues with it and it was a sequel, you know, so it it um I don't know. I I did think about Horizon at one many a times, but as time went on, I think um Fe uh, Tunic just settled yeah. where yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. So Push away the combat. If you're going to play it just for that as a light Zelda experience, I eh, some people like it, and that's good yeah. for you. Um, that's fine. I did not. Um, I, I the Zelda stuff was was pretty okay. I it's it was fine. Cute. It's fine. I don't think the combat feels very good or is fun, but like it's the no. Zelda light, the Zelda parts, like it's 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 you know, it's serviceable. You you can have a good time just doing that. But you would miss out on every single thing that makes Tunic good. Um, and when I started playing this game, I had very much been, uh, been under the impression from other people talking around it that there was some stuff to be discovered in Tunic, right? Um, and the first, like, five plus hours, I was just like, what, like... Who fucking cares about it? Like, it's so just whatever. I don't care about Tunic. It, Joe, is this, is this game actually interesting? You're like, yeah, yeah, I keep playing. There's some, there's some interesting stuff in there. And then they start to do a really interesting thing that I actually think is uh, extremely cleverly designed. And it's the way they slowly, very naturally get you to start looking closer at things. 
Yeah. Um, the way it starts is they give you a little, you know, they reveal, you slowly get these manual pages and the manual sort of gets you, the manual is basically what tells you, look closer at this, look closer at that. And it starts with like, here's how to upgrade your character. It's, you just have to go up to this obelisk and hold the A button, but you would never, you would probably never figure that out by just playing. Mm -hmm. And it's this slow progress of the game teaching you to examine things closer that is super interesting. And eventually through three or four different things like that of like, if you do this button combination or if you do this thing here, you can you get X or Y. And those are early on gameplay related and they slowly become less gameplay related. And it eventually leads you to a point of uh, Tunic is a puzzle game. It's, it's a loaded with puzzles and they're all optional. Every single one of them. <laughs> and they're all hiding in plain sight. And by the time you get to the point where the game says, yo, there's a ton of puzzles in here. They all function this way through D-pad inputs. Here's what to start looking for. It feels like a completely natural path that you've taken to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And then from that point onwards begins the fun stuff. It begins this journey of insanity that I so deeply search for in games and miss or or yeah. don't get and it's looking at everything differently and that's <laughs> such a unique experience that i think only games can do maybe a movie maybe but like games are the only ones that can be like here's the game you're doing it like the witness you know you're playing the witness you're doing all these amazing puzzles yeah. And then it says, but look at the world differently and you find a hundred other puzzles. And the, yeah, I, th I think um, the Outer Worlds DLC did that stuff very well. Yeah. Was like the yeah, answer yeah. was there all along. You just didn't have the information to access it. Exactly. Yes. And that's very much the case of Tunic. It is a game about optional secrets that are hidden right in front of you. And for most of the game, you don't even notice them. And then you start to see the code everywhere. And you start to wonder, how do you solve these fucking puzzles? And it turns out Tunic is an insane, complicated, deep, challenging puzzle game, if you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of puzzles in this game, a lot of them, and they are not easy to solve because pretty much every one of them or most of them have different solutions. That's what's interesting about this is like the input is always the same basic, you know, D-pad inputs, but the it pulls from the witness in that it's like, Use the apples. Use the sound of the gravel on the ground. It's that sort of spirit that it takes from the witness and says, like, use the clues around you to figure out what the solution is to this puzzle. And, oh my god, does it ever fucking go deep. It's mm -hmm. insane how, how extensive the puzzle secrets are in the game. I have a notebook with, like, six or eight pages of serial killer ass looking notes <laughs> i have a uh a folder here with dozens of screenshots a massive photoshop document a premiere pro and after effects file for mod modifying videos clips of the game 
the list goes on. And that is the type of experience that I just love in a game. And yeah. it's so, so satisfying. The puzzles in this game are... They might be the most satisfied I have been solving a puzzles in a game. Maybe they're at least on par with the best witness moments for me because okay, yeah. so many... Every single puzzle in the game, I would look at it and be like, hmm, I know this is a puzzle because there's a little thing that tells you there's a puzzle there, which is nice. I would look at it and I'd be like, I got no fucking clue. And I'd close the game and I wouldn't boot, I'd boot the game up like two or three days later after ruminating on it, you know, sitting it on the subconscious. And I would, without fail, every time be like, a couple days later, be like, oh shit, I bet it's this. And booting the game up, testing that theory and getting it on your first go with your theory it is like it's just so yeah. so 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 deeply satisfying and i had that happen like 30 times with the game mm -hmm. and those theories are radically different most most of the time and that is just such a unique game experience um it is hard to find it is so so hard to find yeah it has such a it's the type of puzzle stuff and, and the philosophy behind the puzzles that I just, it like so deeply gets my brain and what I want from secrets. Um, the puzzles are not there for everyone. They're not even meant, like there was a fascinating article recently that uh, one of the sound guys did, or maybe the sound guy did for, because it was a super small team. Um, and he, he explained that like they have this language in the game, which... I have yet to decipher, but I might one day put the time into <laughs> uh, because there are two remaining puzzles that I have not solved and I think I need uh, a written clue to help for them. Anyways, mm -hmm. they like embedded this language into the music itself so that if you look at the music through a, what is it? A st um, whatever the thing is that like visualizes audio, you know? Not a waveform, but like a, ste a steth stethoscope, not a stethoscope, a, spectogra a spectrogram. Ah. If you put it in there, you can see written messages in the music in the tunic language. And it's like, why is that in the game? Because they just wanted to put it in the game. And that is just such a like, I just so deeply appreciate that philosophy of like, this is not a puzzle for people to necessarily find, but it's a puzzle for us, the creators. We wanted to put it in here because we like, this weird shit. Yeah. Um, There's no one guy? Just, well, it's one guy in Halifax, and I think they had a few other people helping in the last like year or two. Um, but it oh, was he's a, Canadian. I see why. Oh, yeah. One. Also, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to give that Canadian love for <laughs> sure. Um, a few other things here. The um, a few other moments, sort of specifically, the morning of the Microsoft E3 show was when you and I went on like a two-hour back and forth Discord yeah. journey of realizing a certain thing that's shown hidden on the manual pages. That was an incredible, revelatory yeah. uh, section. The um, the final opening of the mountain gate for me, which I, I did all on my own. Uh, it's a hundred digit code. Um, and putting that all in the first time and getting it is like, that was one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in a game. Yeah. I'm going to um, get that done at some point. It's so fucking satisfying. Holy shit. Um, and we, 
we were misunderstanding one or two things with those manual page clues, which hopefully Ooh, you know you will okay. have to you'll have to decipher on your own. Yeah, um, which is cool. Um, I also have long waited. Like, okay, Fez came out a long time ago. Everyone mm-hmm. remembers Fez, and ever since Fez came out, I have been salty that I missed the Fez train. I played Fez after the fact. I knew it was full of stuff. I didn't, like, I wasn't, I, I think I wasn't, like, my brain wasn't tuned in enough at the time to be able to decipher yeah. Fez. I if remember Fez had, my um, flatmate playing that, and I never really got into it. And I remember him having, like, a notepad full of, like, weird notes. And I yeah. actually completely forgot about that until you mentioned it right now. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe I should go back and play Fez. Maybe it is quite, like, tunicky. Yeah, it is. It, it, oh, I it is. I'm trying to decipher a language. That's what I remember. Yes, yes. There's a very specific language hidden in that game. And Fez has basically haunted me since then because I'm like, the, hearing the descriptions of people going down these rabbit holes and uncovering the fact that, like, on the surface, it's like a th- basic platformer and then it just descends into puzzle, secret craziness is something I have so wanted for all since then and no game has done that because like everything else is like yo it's a puzzle game the witness is a puzzle game you know that from the get-go mm, yeah. and tunic on when i started playing it i did not know it was a puzzle game and to have it slowly yeah, transform into a puzzle game of like shocking depth and complexity is uh, an experience i have been wanting for a decade since we started doing these lists because fez came out in 2013 and um i yeah, I, I haven't had more fun solving puzzles in a game since The Witness. And The Witness is like my second or third favorite game ever made. So, yeah. Um, and that occupied the majority of my time in Tunic. There is one puzzle in the entire game that I don't think is particularly uh, good or intuitive, but I still solved it and figured it out. And it was like, haha, I'm smart. But it, like, there's every other puzzle in the game is just flawlessly designed. And. I just love that they went yeah. for it so hard. And there are still things I haven't figured out. And that's cool. I think one thing I've learned from this list, yeah. this chat, is I think you are more forgiving of games' weaknesses than I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I mostly that's agree with what you said. I had a great time with the puzzles in Tunic. Uh, I lost my way because I went, I think, the Glastonbury Festival. Yes. yeah. And I was gone for six days and then recovering and yeah. taking eight days off of Tunic. I was like, I don't remember what these notes are. And yeah. you beat the game. And I was like, oh, boy. And I was like, I'll get back into it when I've got time. And then a week turned into a month and then a yeah. couple of months. And now when I look at my notes, I'm like, oh, my God, where do I start with this thing? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just can't like forgive the game being shit for half of it. I just can't. <laughs> I just think a game, so it's all encompassing for me. A game yeah, is its entire package. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think from the chat, like you obviously got more out of the puzzles than I did, but I still really had a good time with those puzzles and agree with the points you made with them. And I think it's yeah. an amazing part of the game. But yeah, I think I just struggle. Again, Playtale didn't make it into my list, even though I feel like we also had similar opinions about it. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, maybe I'm very unforgiving. Although I forgave Horizon. Who knows how my brain works? Uh, I, that's always been the case. Like, I, I, when the highs are high, like, I'm, I'm much more forgiving of the lows. Um, and in the case of Fez, or fuck Fez, Jesus Christ, of Tunic, um, 
in my memory of playing through the game, the actual like Zelda combat gameplay part of it is like 5% of the experience. Even though I know mathematically that's not accurate, it's probably more like 10, eight, six or eight hours of 30. So it's, you know, a third of the game. But um, the memory is what is in, is what's, that's what all these discussions are basically. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion or memory of the combat because I just didn't think it was very interesting. And so I turned on the accessibility options and steam through it in search of uh, something more interesting. And I found it and uh, I'm very glad this was, a yeah. this was a year of not great gameplay for me. Um, and a search for just like something that clicks with my brain and my hard to satisfy tastes and tunic uh, absolutely did that in nice. ways. I did not ever think it was going to, and I like ways you being I, represented. Yeah. And it it fulfilled a, a long, long-weighted uh, quest, basically, of nice. experiencing a Fez-like unraveling. Um, yeah. So, I look forward to yeah. getting back to it. And I, I, I want to get... There was a broken obelisk. Yeah. Like, oh, golden thing. thing. Oh, my God. Which I have, like, a... I have it all, like, cut out in yeah. Photoshop, and I still can't figure out how that goes together. I want to get that tricky. done. Yeah. And obviously, I want to open the main door to whatever that is. And I think yeah. I'm just going to minimize it to those two things. Otherwise, I'm going to probably get overwhelmed and never finish it ever, if you know what I mean. Yeah, if you have all the pages of the manual, you're fine. I'm not sure basically. if I do. I'm not I don't sure. know if you do, I... yeah. And I never obviously figured out that weird last room we got to, where it's like a circular, almost coliseum with a bunch of like strange faces, stone <laughs> faces around the outside. I never figured that out. That one... I didn't figure out I that one I read about and that one is actually related to the music language stuff. Oh apparently. shit. Okay. Apparently if you solve all those it gives you like a URL to go to a weird ass website cool. which would help you decode the music language basically. Wow. Cuz yeah. yeah, I never figured out that room where when hitting you like walk around a what do you call those partitions for people when they're changing clothes. You like right. walk around oh, those that and you change thing. color. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's just to customize your character. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was in that room for so long. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all it's for, but I'm I'm still not... That's the thing that I love about Tunic and that I yeah. love about The Witness as well. Is like, I'm still not sure. Like, there could be yeah. a puzzle there. And you know what? If but I never find it... you were musical notes that were, like, rising in I know, tone. Now you did it. Well, and remember the fucking wind chime? Like, my yeah. quest to de decipher the wind chime? I still, I still don't know if there's a puzzle there. I think there is, but... You know, if I don't find it, that's okay as well because yeah. I like secrets remaining secrets sometimes. Uh, the final hour-long audio log you find after beating the challenge in The Witness is a wonderful chat about secrets remaining secret that I yeah. uh, very deeply relate to and appreciate. And Tunic is a game pretty much built around that. And I, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I liked it a lot and felt seen by Tunic, which is nice. You know, it's like... I, I get you. You get me. I get you. Thank you, weird Halifax man, for spending seven years making this game. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So there you go. Well done, man. Good yeah. list, dude. Yeah, I'm ha I'm content with it. The nice. top top few games I feel very strongly about. So yeah, I'm I'll sure you know what my number one is. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. We've really never we've never talked about. I know. It. No. So I'm looking forward to like. Leaning back in my chair and just listening. 
Yeah. To me, in the, for this entire year, it feels like there was two games ever, and it was Elden <laughs> Ring and fucking Vampire Survivors, which is my <laughs> number one game of 2022. Hell yeah. Uh, and also, it's not even close, man. It's not <laughs> even close. I fucking loved every second of this game, and I still really have a good time with it. It also feels like the this game, like, obviously Elden Ring was a moment, but I feel like no one talks about the fact that Vampire Survivors basically made a genre in, like, a month. Yeah. There's been, like, 17 clones of that game as soon as it came out because people were like, oh, yeah, this is a thing now. And my talk of Vampire Survivors is going to involve another game mm. very, very heavily. And that game is Risk of Rain 2. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, but first of all, but first of all, first, I just want to say that Vampire Survivors... The surface level of Vampire Survivors, it is this basically, I'm sure everyone's seen it, it's this glorious dopamine-releasing uh, ecstasy rush which resembles like winning big at a casino. Uh, and you can get this experience every 30 minutes and you don't have to pay money <laughs> or get a crippling life addiction from it. Well, you could get a crippling Vampire Survivors addiction from you it. You will actually get that, yeah. but it shouldn't ruin your life. At okay, least not yeah. for not. like years and years, like a gambling addiction will. Yeah, or a destiny. But for addiction. me, <clears throat> but for me, that is just the first layer. Mm. I do actually really enjoy the combat in Risk of Rain. It's my favorite hangover game of all time. I love that. It's, it, you can play it with just like one hand. My other hand's just like or in popcorn or in snacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do actually like the build system and the weird learning curve of vampire survivors how you get slowly better at it and the things you learn and the evolution and the weird sandbox mishmashing of different items but to me i i really have to focus on one thing because it's the reason why it's number one and not just like somewhere else on my list mm. it's the progression and evolution of this game which is really what makes it so so special now the reason i loved risk or rain 2 so much is because Risk of Rain 2 is a game that also continues to evolve and change as you play and unlock different stuff in that game. I've, I've got 90 hours in Risk of Rain 2, and the game is very different from when I first started playing it. Hmm. Some examples, people might not know the basic vanilla of Risk of Rain 2, but I don't want to start explaining multiple games. But when I play Risk of Rain 2, there aren't chests in that game anymore. The spawn rate of enemies is doubled, and the enemies drop items, and I can now pick what those items are going to be depending on the rarity, and I can pretty much build whatever I want and just choose the items I get. And it makes the game funner, in my opinion, because I can build the build I want to mess around with. I don't have to rely on RNG to see these crazy combinations. Uh, and the game's a little easier, because if I want to win on the highest difficulty, I can build towards what the character's good at. Uh, it's obviously optional, I can turn that stuff off, but I like getting stronger in video games, so I keep that stuff on. Vampire Survivors doubles and triples down on this idea. The game just keeps expanding in pretty much every way. First of all, it starts with like characters and weapons and stages, which is a very natural way for a game to increase. Uh, and even that aspect of Vampire Survivors expands in pretty surprising ways, especially the stages. There's a lot of weird places you can go in that game which you don't realize. Um, but the rules 
And foundations of Vampire Survivors also shift and morph the more you play it. And not only is this a really exciting way to keep me interested in a video game by changing the fundamentals of Vampire Survivors, like, I don't want to spoil too much, but let's just say the 30-minute the timer of that game is gone for me huh. now. That's, yeah, that's a thing. And that's just, like, one thing that you can change in that game. I can just go forever. But what I love about Risk of Rain and Vampire Survivors is they seem determined to break their own game. What I loved about Risk of Rain 2 is it felt like the game was modded from the beginning. You could break that game and make things happen that was so ridiculous it felt like a Steam, uh, Steam mod. Something like extra weapons, 10 times more whatever. But it was just the vanilla game. And Vampire Survivors takes that even further where sometimes I genuinely think the game is going to crash. <laughs> but all I'm doing is following the natural progression of the unlocks. Like I'm just yeah. going down the list of things the game tells me to do. I'm not even doing anything ridiculous on purpose. I'm just playing the game and progressing. And the game just starts to crumble under its own unlock scheme <laughs> in a way which is like, no one else would do that, man. The game doesn't yeah. even function anymore for me. I have to sometimes walk away from the game because it's lagging so bad. I can't get anything done, but I still have to get more kills. The game breaks itself. It's kind That's of amazing. So and I kind of skipped over it, but the only real reward you get from the progression in the game is just more shit on the screen and more confetti <laughs> and more casino explosions. And it's just a brilliant and simple and like primitive way to reward a player. It's like number go up, more flash on screen, Pepe clap. Yeah, But it goes on for like 40 hours and it just never <laughs> stops expanding and getting crazier. And it's just like a beautiful, not, I don't want to say Frog Fraction because that's almost pushing it too far, but it's one of those games where what you see on the surface is not where it ends up. I totally know what you mean, yeah. This game to me, it feels like Risk of Rain 3. It mm. really feels like Risk of Rain 3. And it really takes what I loved about Risk of Rain and it simplifies it, it streamlines it, condenses it, and makes it even flashier and messier. Um, I will forever love the weird alien design and music of Risk of Rain. And that might always put Risk of Rain above it in certain capacities, at least from design. Um, but there's something like endearing about the 8-bit design of Vampire Survivors. But the fundamentals of what I loved about Risk of Rain 2 are taken and put into Vampire Survivors and exploded into a way which barely allows it to function near the end. And it, there's just so much content in this silly little thing. It came out of nowhere, uh, and I've just never had a bad time. With Wasn't it like $3? $3. And yeah, just when it, when it comes to like, when I said about uh, the case of the Golden Idol, I was, I don't mean to brag, but I was very, very early to Vampire Survivors. I think I saw Soda Poppin playing it in the early access. And then I played it for like five hours. And then I bounced off of it because mm. I was like, that was a fun, flashy casino thing. And I didn't go back to it because people said there was more to it. Again, I was quite early to the game. I just, I think was hung over one day. and was like, ah, just play a couple of things in Vampire Survivors. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't tell you what specifically I unlocked to make me realize that there was more to the game. But I felt like I really unraveled that game in a way that you feel about Tunic, just completely on my own, without yeah. the internet telling me there's more to discover. Uh, and yeah, the journey I've gone on with this game across the entire year uh, has just been like un unlike anything else this year. And it just continues to evolve, and I know there's more still in there. 
to discover to this day. Have you gotten to the DLC at all? Uh, I have, yeah. Okay. The DLC okay. is very additive. It's not very right. transformative. It's like, right. here's an extra stage, and there's extra characters and extra weapons. It's more like, let's put more ingredients into the soup right. rather than change the soup. Does that make, make any sense? Make the soup into a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just adds more to the chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, at least that's what I think so, so far. far. So right, far. Right, right. Yeah. So far. Mm. But yeah, uh, everyone knows Vampire Survivors at this point, I would imagine. It's on Game Pass. It was three bucks on Steam. It's been the indie darling of the year. Um, I thought it was Stray was the be indie darling. List. Oh, fucking hell, man. <laughs> Stray was actually almost in my number 10, by the way. But yeah, anyway, yeah. moving on. But yeah, Vampire Survivors would have been on my list somewhere if I'd played mm-hmm. 10 hours of this game. Um, but I feel like we have similar feelings towards our number ones where Tunic really totally. works with your brain. Yeah. And whatever this weird unlock system is that is in Risk of Rain 2 and Vampire Survivors where the progression and Steam achievements are tied into not only characters and stages but into the game morphing and changing in its fundamental levels... Like, that is something that is really new to me, I think, in gaming. And it's like breaking the rules, almost. And, like, the walls of the game start to melt and set on fire. And I just, I just find it absolutely fascinating. And you just, like, never know what's going to happen next when you play Risk of Rain 2 and Vampire Survivors. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, if anyone knows of a game similar to whatever I'm talking about, this phenomenon where the more you play a game, the more it changes and morphs, let me know, because it might be my new favorite thing in indie gaming. Mm. Yeah, that's the reason Vampire Survivors is my number one of the year. It's cool. also, it also probably comes under, like, discovery and oh, yeah. puzzle-solving kind of certain times. Yeah, Because like, it gives you, you very really vague you objectives. Yeah. Like, do this. You're like, how, how the hell am I going to get to minute 31? You die at minute 30, and then you start to, like, see items and build and make your own objectives, <laughs> I, and... Yeah. Yeah. I got to minute 32. Nice. Because the Reaper got stuck on a bookshelf. Ah. <laughs> That's not quite how I did it, but yeah, there's no, bills no. to kind of, like, yeah. hold the Reaper at bay. Interesting. Yeah. The Reaper can't be killed, but you can, you can delay stuff. Mm, push him away. Push him away and stuff like that. Yeah, there's... Yeah. That game has a lot of crazy surprise moments in it Mm. a lot of like massive grandiose secrets and boss fights and stuff Mm. it's crazy the game's crazy i'm i think we'll have another vampire discussion soon when we do a a podcast Mm because ben has played a lot i have played like 10 hours of it um yeah so maybe we'll save that for them but i think it's neat that i i would say both our number ones are spiritually in the same category, yeah. you know? I was realizing that as I was talking. Yeah, because most of what you said sounded like you could have been describing Tunic for me, for sure. So yeah. that's, that's cool. It's um, a unique pair of number ones. I like them. Yeah, me too. I like I our like number it a ones. Lot. Yeah. Actually, I like I'm, our whole list. I think, um, what, what, what overlapped? We had just... Elden Ring and Horizon. Horizon, Elden Ring, Neon White, God of War. Oh, I see. In general. I'm sorry, yeah. in four. Okay, so we're 16 again. So That's a lot, though. Yeah, yeah. I think 16 is uh, the highest we've ever gone, and we've done it a few times. So um, That's a very, very varied list. It is, yes. That was, uh, yeah. 
as always, I, I feel like the discussions are a nice way to be like, ah, yeah, okay, games, yeah, okay, they were all yeah. right. Fuck off. They can were I okay. um, can I keep talking? Yeah, because I it. do have we we do this like honor, honorable mentions. Yeah, but I have a, a very unique honorable mention. Oh, it's a complicated situation, uh, oh. and it's called early access is annoying mm. and confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, because. A game that came out this year called Raft, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Raft is maybe one of my favorite survival games of all time. Oh, right. right. Did it, it came out of early access this year. came right? out of early access I this see. year. It was in early um, access for quite a few years. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really play Raft this year. Right. I played it twice. And mm. the, the one session I played with Ben was this like shark boss fight. And I, and I didn't really like the shark boss fight. And I've been playing the game since 2018. Wow. So I, I did have it on my list to begin because it came out this year and it's one of my favorite games in the genre and it's better than some of the games on my list. But early access continues to be like a bit of an annoying piece of shit when it comes to making top 10 lists. Yeah. Because I feel like Raph should be on my list because I love that game. But I didn't play it in 2022 and this is a 2022 list about the favorite games we played this year. So yeah, that is my king honorable mention mm. it's a game that should be on my list but early access continues to make things a little wonky confusing yeah i agree um, so I, agree. I wanted to give that a special honorable mention because if i'd played it this year it probably would have been like five or four wow yeah but i didn't play it this year and this is a mm. top 10 of 2022 yeah i, I get you feels weird you it's, know it's, it's, it's complicated. complicated it it's is complicated. yeah you can do um, some honorable mentions. Sure, I'll do a major honorable mention. The only other one I took notes for is a game that um, actually probably should be labeled as early access, but it is not. Yeah. And surprisingly, it's Warhammer 40k Darktide. Oh, damn. I actually really like Darktide. I have yeah. played it a fair few times since we did our little two hours with it i think nice. i played like 10 hours um the reason i say it should be labeled early access is because it feels like an early access game um because there's yeah, like rough. five levels and the progression is bad like straight up the progression is bad like for a loot live service progression game there's like none there's none yeah. I think I played um, it once after we played it on my own. Yeah. And again, I had fun, and it was actually quite fun playing with strangers. The community has like oh, a, yeah. a pretty friendly vibe to it. I was just using text chat, and there was some good fun to be had. Yes, yeah. But yeah, then I went to the store, and I just like, couldn't really see, not the store, like the uh, loadout screen where you get yeah. the new weapons. And I just, I was getting the same three guns over and over again, and I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a game that I think has a lot of potential over the next 12 months to evolve mm -hmm. into something really awesome that I'll, I'll like a lot because yeah, there's just, there's only a few guns per character. There's only a few melee types like, and you just get different colored versions of the same weapons. And it, yeah. it, it feels a lot like destiny one in that way where it's just, there's just not enough loot. The progression is insanely slow and unsatisfying. Uh, upgrading is a pain. It's buggy. It's a little jank. Um, but the reason I like it is because it's just maybe more than any other game this year. It just has a mood to it mm -hmm. that is really, really good. And that fucking um, music, man. Oh my God. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. The, the, like, <laughs> okay. 
I like playing as the big dumb boy. Yeah. I like being tall, big boy, strong. Hit big things. Yes, good. That's fun. The like I've never really been into the Left 4 Dead style games, but I think they the combat feels good here. It feels heavy. They have the like the amount of enemies is impressive and they they react to your hits nicely. And I like being the big, tall, big, dumb idiot boy. But yeah, the combination of visuals and music. I don't think I've ever had an OST sell me on an entire universe <laughs> as hard as this yeah. did for 40k. 40k is like this impenetrable behemoth that I will never understand. But the, the music in this game made me want to understand it. It made me want to be like, what if I just take a little peek through the door and be like, oh my god, is that what Warhammer is in there? Oh god, okay. I mean, do I want to open the door more or slam it shut forever? I don't know yet, but <laughs> um, it's got a lot of really good qualities to it, and I, I hope it can evolve into something really good, because I know Vermintide 2 absolutely got there, uh, and Vermintide 1, I'm sure, did as well. Um, they, But it just it's a shame that it seemed to launch the way every single loot live service game has ever launched which is poorly um it's a it's a shame because there's a lot of really 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 cool stuff in there uh and i i i want to keep playing it but there's just really no reason to and that's a shame so um and then really quickly another early access game that we played a lot of that i think we will put a lot more time into and we may have its year maybe this is the year for it it's satisfactory oh yeah um yeah I don't need to say much. It's it's very good. It's very fun. It's very satisfying. Yeah, that could be a 2023 game, dang. And but yeah, it's still in early access after like four years. So yeah, they last I checked, they said the the target was end of 2022, early 2023 for 1.0. So who knows? That's probably more like eight months from now. But maybe it'll have its time this year. Mm, yeah, that game's good. Yeah. Um, I have two more that I'll just rattle off really quickly. Um, for the third time, I want to give a shout out to Bloodborne because <laughs> I replayed it after Elden Ring because I was like, yeah. is the linear format better? Yes, right. it is. <laughs> Bloodborne is so fucking good. It's unbelievable. It's tragic yeah. that it's locked away on the shitty 30 FPS PS3, PS4. Yeah, I'd love to play um, it again. That game is wild, and and I played through the DLC and beat the DLC, so I've I've done everything in Bloodborne at least once, which was uh, satisfying. It felt like I I was able to master the game in my replay, and nice. whereas my first time through, I just got my ass absolutely kicked, and it took me uh, three years to or five years to beat that game. Um, mm-hmm. I beat it in a replay in like eleven hours. <laughs> um, it was very satisfying, and then uh, really quickly. The Witch Queen DLC for Destiny 2 uh, was really good. They finally made an excellent first-person shooter campaign for Destiny, and good on them. So that's that's all. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I had Scorn down on my honorable mentions. I had Tunic down. Um, I had Stray down. I <laughs> actually had a really good time with Stray. I think Stray was after I played Elden Ring and Sifu back to back. I think so, yeah. I didn't even beat Sifu. I just had to retire from that game for like two months because I was just so tired of dying, getting my ass kicked. <laughs> and Stray came out and it was just like the perfect game for the mood I was in. I needed something comfy and just yeah. easygoing and Stray was there for me. That cute little kitty got me through it. Um, I've got Cult of the Lamb down. I don't oh, yeah. really have too much to say about that game. Again, 
amazing music in Cult of the Lamb. Um, I did enjoy it. I just felt like the two aspects of the game, the base building and the arena combat, both just could have been taken a notch further. I feel like this mm. game really could have cemented itself as a classic, um, but it felt like it got a little bit forgotten, and I think it just didn't quite go deep enough on either ends of the spectrum. Um, but that game had a incredible style, personality, uh, art, and music. I mm -hmm. love that little indie thing. And then I'm going to actually just like save one for the podcast. That's okay. a little secret, secret game because it's not that crazy of an honorable mention. But All right. the last one is Dying Light 2. Oh, wah, yeah. Wah, Dying yeah. Light 2. I'm a big fan of Dying Light and I still yeah. had fun with Dying Light 2. But it is a disappointment. Probably one of the biggest ones of the year. Yeah, I agree. It it just it just missed the mark. It came out messier, clunkier, and busier than the first one. Uh yeah. We don't we again we reviewed it, we talked about it. Same chat as Elden Ring, I think. Yeah. And Horizon. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I still have love and affinity for the weird, janky, dying light world and its parkour action combo. The game does get there in the end for me, um, but it's like one of those weird games which, again, a bit like Plague Tale, where it just like makes you useless at the beginning when you've oh, played a God, game before yeah. it where you've already had certain skills and been powerful, and it feels like you've gone backwards, and it's frustrating and boring. I could even slide and die night 2 for so long. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I just love the fundamentals of those games. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's getting an honorable mention. But um, I wish it was on the list, and I wish it was high up the list. But yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment, even if I do weirdly like janky parkour zombie games. Yeah, I hope that game can get there over time, maybe with Me updates too. and I don't know. Or there's just so much build up as well for that game for so many years. I know it was seven years, like a janky double A game. It was strange. That first game is so good. But I think that's it, dude. Yeah, we did it. Oh that God. is our. Uh, 10th top 10 game top there's a 10th top 10 list of a year yes <laughs> <sighs> three hours is a long time man yeah uh before we go time. should we commit in voice on yes. video to our dumb idea yeah okay so for a while now we've been throwing around ideas of let's do a top 10 of the last 10 or something like that some sort of culmination reflection celebration that we've been yeah. doing 10 of these 10 years is a long fucking time we've outlived major websites yeah. <laughs> um, we have 10 lists we have 100 games right we have now. 100 games yeah and we had played with ideas like we just make a top 10 list based on any of those games we had done one idea which was like let's make a top 10 list where we have to pick one game from each year which would have been actually you know a decent challenge i think um but we settled on the dumbest idea, which is let's take our 100 games each that we have <laughs> and yeah. rank them. All of them. From 100 to 1. Yeah. In order. Our top 100 games of the last 10 year. Yes. And, you know, we will try and get around that being a 17-hour chat by the fact that we will have talked about all those games many times and we'll rattle a lot of them off quickly. Yeah. Um, it, but yes, we are going to do that. 
sooner rather than later. We will, now that this list has been locked in, we can start the month-long process oh, of ranking yeah. 100 video games. How am I going to do that? The last 10 years of games will be mathematically decided upon. What is the best? We will do it for ourselves. There would be a um, top one game of the last 10 years for us. Yeah, what if that one overlaps for us? That would be wild. Ooh. I don't think it will. Oh. Um, no, probably not. I have an idea. Yeah, anyways. So very good games. That's going to be fun. I think it's, there will be some interesting discussions like in the bottom half where it's like, oh my god, what? This game is number 75? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, the top 10 will be like fairly predictable because we did a best of the gen and the gen was most of the last 10 years, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember the, our list, though, I'll be honest. I'm not going to yeah, rewatch yeah. it either. Yeah. So it'll be fun to do that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really stupid. Yeah. 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 I think that's but it. that does it for another year. Really Thank God. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Whew. If you've been here for all 10, holy shit, well done. You've survived. Yeah. Congratulations. And shout out to the people that appreciate these videos because we like doing them. And even if no one watched or listened, we would still do them. Oh, yeah. Because we need to cleanse our brains of video game opinions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're a bit of like a time sink, passion project, fun thing that I enjoy doing every year. Um, it's our I'm, little niche. Yeah. And I'm glad there are other people out there that, uh, you know, still care after 10 years and look forward to them. So, yeah. 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 Here's to another 10 years. Fuck it. Fuck Jesus Christ. Oh, God, that's scary. Let's be 40-year-olds and do this. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. Sure, I'm in. Uh, all right, that's it.